Hello and welcome back to Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Now that we've completed Shakespeare and Chekhov's canons, our troupe of professional and amateur theater lovers together is taking on great works across mediums. So from Aaron Sorkin to indie playwrights, Valentine's rom-coms, French classics, Greek tragedies, so much more. We've got everything coming up for you. So Shaw, Stoppard, Moliere, Efron, and so much more coming down the pike. So for you to enjoy in audio form here on our podcast feed, or if you want to catch all of our costumes, props, effects, and unplanned pet appearances, um, all of our readings are also available on our YouTube channel. Just search My Entertainment World and you'll see it there. Um, please keep in mind that these are genuinely cold readings. We're publishing unedited, so bear with us through some stumbles, tangents, and of course, every time someone's accidentally on mute. Um, that happens all the time. Sometimes people don't show up. You just got to bear with us. Uh, so to make sure you don't miss any of our content, be sure to subscribe on YouTube or on our podcast feed where you'll find episodes of all our favorite ongoing series, including this one, of course, as well as the Shakespeare series, the favorite series, Corona Movie Club, exclusive interviews, as well as our annual MLB roundtable discussion, which is my very favorite thing we do. So follow us on social media at MyEntWorld, my E-N-T world. Um, and of course, check out the website, MyEntertainmentWorld.ca, where you can find all of the above, as well as reviews, editorials, artist spotlights, and so much more. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the show. Our Shakespeare reboot season continues with much ado about nothing. So this was a script we did very early on. Um, and then before we sort of really figured out how to do this whole zoom Shakespeare thing um and it's a huge favorite everyone in the group really loves much ado and really wanted to revisit it so we did um this was one so Christopher Prentice who um has been on a run at this point of doing uh dis disproving fathers uh specifically requested the chance for Benedict and um it's just a character that's really close to his heart and he really it's a lot of fun too and he just wanted to play it so we sort of built the cast around his casting so he's a wonderful Benedict um he's sort of the great pro of our cast we have lots of professional actors but he's the one with the most experience and the most prestige and he's just like flawless every time like he's so steady and reliable and like he's never given a bad performance it's really really fun to see him play something like a fun leading man in one of the comedies uh which is a very specific type uh so it was really yeah it was great it was great to see him play that um some of the fun stuff and then also when in act four when it takes that turn and you need the real gravitas from your leads it's right there um so it was, it's a really it's a very very good reading um this whole play it's also we matched him with susan bond as beatrice who just the pair was so lovely together she is so sassy and wonderful and susan's one of the smartest people i know which is a quality that i just love obviously in beatrice she's so quick and she stands up so much sort of straighter than everybody else in the scenes and there's something about susan and her inherent regality and intelligence that she, she just brought a wonderful quality to beatrice um our Claudio was Nicanor Campos, who had to tolerate in the chat. We always have a chat going along the side of all of our readings. And uh, Claudio was the subject of much ire because he frustrates us as a character because he's kind of a jerk face um, and yet somehow still set up as a hero. And so uh, there was a lot of like, Claudio, we hate you, Claudio. <laughs> and so Nick 
sort of very graciously put up with a lot of that and brought as much um, heart and uh, sort of grace to the character as he was able to, uh, considering he's such a flawed character. And then we play, we paired him with Elizabeth Morris, who we've always loved them together. Um, they've got such lovely, delicate chemistry, and they were our Troilus and Cressida. So she is hero here. Um, who else do we have? Of Our Friar Francis is Miriam Bachman. Uh, Miriam sort of developed a uh, recurring type as the leading religious figures of Corona Cold Read. It all came from in one of the one of the Henrys or something. She wore a very silly costume as a as a bishop of some kind. And I just started throwing in a, a bishop or a priest or whatever role into her utility track from then on because I thought it was funny. And at a certain point it became she was the, the archbishop of Corona Cold Read. So here she is a very lovely and wise Friar Francis. Um Balthazar is played by Gabby Grice. That is notable because Balthazar is the singer. Uh, so we are putting Gabby Grice back into the singing roles that obviously we had gotten away from plays that have singing in them uh, as we got away from Shakespeare. And so it was really nice when we came back to Shakespeare. Obviously, our resident troubadour is going to be our Balthazar. Uh, let's see. Don John. Don John was Hillary Wardinger, uh, which was really fun because he's sort of just like a, a dark, douchey badass. And uh, he was played by Keanu Reeves in the famous movie version. So uh, Hillary had a great time with that. We have some very fun watchmen in uh, Laura and Saya. Um, our dogberry was Shailen Bass McFall, which is fun because she doesn't get a lot of comedic roles with us because she's so she's just such a beautiful, dramatic actor that we usually just use her there. Um, and so to get cast her as the like really wackadoo, silly co- comic relief character was a fun, a fun thing to do. Um, and then the other person that's of note here is this is the introduction of Sean Wilson to our troupe. He plays Baraccio here. Technically he was in a Romeo and Juliet reading, but he played Montague because I didn't know him. And I was like, well, we're going to test you out. Here's two lines. Um, but Baraccio is really his coming out party. He has, he's a great addition. He's an old friend of Chris's from the uh, Shakespeare scene in Chicago. So he joins us. He's really fantastic actor. And he just immediately fills this, this small role of Baraccio and just makes him a really compelling and like character who fills the screen completely and uh, steals more than his fair share. So you will hear a lot more from Sean if you continue listening from this point on. So it's, it's quite the debut. Uh, and I believe that is sort of who you need to know about going into this reading. So uh, much ado is lovely. I hope you enjoy it. Chris Prentice, Benedict. Hello. Susan Bond, Beatrice. Hello. Elizabeth Ramirez, Don Pedro. Hello. Nicanor Campos, Claudio. Hello, everybody. And hello, my love. Elizabeth Morris, Hero. Hello. Mark Crater, Burgess. Hey, guys. Fabiana Cabral, Ursula. The upgrade. Hello. Um, Louis Arroyo. Did I get that right? Arroyo, but close Arroyo. enough. Leonardo. Hello. Miriam Bachman, Friar Francis. Hello. Melissa Wright, Antonio. Hi, guys. Oh, first of all, rude. <laughs> Nicole Falgu, Margaret. Hi. <laughs> Me. Balthazar, I'm Gabby, Saya Floyd, First Watchman, Hello. Uh, where are we, Laura Hubbard, Second Watchman, 
Greetings. Hillary Wardinger, Don John. Ooh. Uh, can you do that one more time? Hi, can you guys actually hear me? Yeah. Basil Dowd, Sexton. Greetings. John Taylor Phillips, Messenger slash Conrad, the second Hello. upgrade. Hello, everyone. Sean Wilson, Baraccio. Hello. Uh, Shaylin Bass McFall, Dogbury. Hello. Weldon Gorey, Lord slash Boy. Hi, everybody. We did it. Much Ado About Nothing, the reboot. Act one, scene one, before Leonardo's house. Enter Leonardo, Hero, and Beatrice with a messenger. I learn in this letter that Don Peter of Aragon comes this night to Messina. He is very nearby this. He was not three leagues off when I left him. How many gentlemen have you lost in this action? Uh, But few of any sort, and none of name. A victory is twice itself when the achiever brings home full numbers. I find here that Don Peter hath bestowed much honor on a young Florentine called Claudio. No, much deserved on his part and equally remembered by Don Pedro. He hath borne himself beyond the promise of his age, doing in the figure of a lamb the feats of a lion. He hath indeed better bettered expectation than you must expect of me to tell you how. He hath an uncle here in Messina will be very much glad of it. I have already delivered him letters, and there appears much joy in him. Even so much joy, even so much that joy could not show itself modest enough without a badge of bitterness. Did he break out into tears? In great measure. A kind overflow of kindness. There are no faces truer than those that are so washed. How much better is it to weep at joy than to joy at weeping? I pray you, is Signor Montanto returned from the wars or no? I know none of that name, lady. There was none such in the army of any sort. What is he that you ask for, niece? My cousin means Signor Benedict of Padua. Oh, he's returned, and as pleasant as he ever was. He set up his bills here in Messina and challenged Cupid at the flight, and my uncle's fool, reading the challenge, subscribed for Cupid and challenged him at the bird bolt. I pray you, how many hath he killed and eaten in these wars? But... How many hath he killed? For indeed, I promised to eat all of his killing. Faith, niece, you tax Signor Benedict too much, but he'll be meet with you, I doubt it not. He hath done good service, lady, in these wars. You had musty victual, and he hath hoped to eat it. He's a very valiant trencherman. He had an excellent stomach. And a good soldier, too, lady. And a good soldier to a lady. But what is he to a lord? <laughs> a lord to a lord, a man to a man... Stuffed with all honorable virtues. It is so. Indeed, he is no less than a stuffed man. But for the stuffing, well, we are all mortal. You must not, sir, mistake my niece. There is a kind of merry war betwixt Senior Benedict and her. They never meet, but there's a skirmish of wit between them. Alas, he gets nothing by that. In our last conflict, of it, four of his five wits went halting off. And now is the whole man governed with one. So that if he have wit enough to keep himself warm... Let him bear it for a difference between himself and his horse. For it is all the wealth he hath left to be known a reasonable creature. Who is his companion now? He hath every month a new sworn brother. <laughs> is possible? Very easily possible. He wears his faith, but is the fashion of his hat. It ever changes with the next block. I see, lady. The gentleman is not in your books. No. Anywhere I would burn my study. 
But I pray you, who is his companion? Is there no young squarer now that will make a voyage with him to the devil? Uh, He is most in the company of the right noble Claudio. Oh, Lord. He will hang upon him like a disease. He is sooner caught in the pestilence, and the taker runs presently mad. God help the noble Claudio. If he have caught the Benedict, it will cost him a thousand pound ere he be cured. I will hold friends with you, lady. Do, good friend. You will never run mad, niece. No, not till a hot January. Don Pedro is approached. Enter Don Pedro, Don John, Claudio, Benedict, and Balthazar. Good Signor Leonardo, you are welcome to meet your trouble. The fashion of the world is to avoid cost, and you encounter it. Never came trouble to my house in the likeness of your grace. For trouble being gone, comfort should remain. But when you depart from me, sorrow abides and happiness takes his leave. You embrace your charge too willingly. And I think this is your daughter. Her mother hath many times told me so. <laughs> Were you in doubt, sir, that you asked her? Signor Benedict, no. Senor <laughs> For then you were yeah. a child. For then you were a child. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, you have it in full, Benedict. We may guess by this what you are, being a man. Uh, truly, the lady fathers herself. Be happy, lady, for you are like an honorable father. If Signor Leonardo be her father, she would not have his head on her shoulders, for all Messina, as like him as she is. I wonder that you'll still be talking, Signor Benedict. Nobody marks you. What, my dear lady, disdain. Are you yet living? Oh, is it possible disdain should die while she has such meat food defeated as Signor Benedict? Courtesy itself must convert to disdain if you come in her presence. Then is courtesy a turncoat. But it is certain I am loved of all ladies. Only you accepted. And I would I could find in my heart that I had not a hard heart. For truly, I love none. A dear happiness to women. They would else have been troubled with a pernicious suitor. I thank God and my cold blood I am of your humor for that. I had rather hear my dog bark at a crow than a man swear he loves me. God keep your ladyship still in that mind. Some gentleman or other shall escape a predestinate scratched face. Scratching could not make it worse and twere such a face as yours were. Well, you are a rare parrot teacher. A bird of my tongue is better than a beast of yours. I would my horse at the speed of your tongue and so good a continuer. But keep your way, a god's name. I've done. You always end with a jade's trick. I know you of old. <clears throat> that is the sum of all, Leonardo. Uh, Signor Claudio and Signor Benedict, uh, my dear friend Leonardo hath invited you all. Uh, I tell him that we shall stay here the least a month. And he heartily prays uh, some occasion may detain us longer. But I dare swear he is no hypocrite, but prays from his heart. If you swear, my lord, you shall not be forsworn. Let me bid you welcome, my lord. Being reconciled to the prince, your brother, I owe you all duty. Thank you. I'm not of many words, but I thank you. Please it, your grace, lead on. Your hand, Leonardo. We'll go together. Exunt all except Benedict and Claudio. Benedict, didst thou note the daughter of Signor Leonato? I noted her not, but I looked on her. Is she not a modest young lady? Do you question me as an honest man should do? 
for my simple, true judgment? Or would you have me speak after my custom as being a professed tyrant to their sex? No, I pray thee, speak in sober judgment. Why, if faith methinks she's too low for a high praise, too brown for a fair praise, and too little for a great praise, only this commendation I can afford her, that were she other than she is, she were unhandsome, and being no other but as she is, I do not like her. Thou thinkst I am in sport, I pray thee, tell me truly how thou likest her. Would you buy her that you inquire after her? Can the world buy such a jewel? Yea, and a case to put it into. But speak you this with a sad brow, or do you play the flouting jack and tell us Cupid is a good hair finder and Vulcan a rare carpenter? Come, in what key shall a man take you to go in the song? In mine eye, she is the sweetest lady that ever I looked upon. I can see yet without spectacles, and I see no such matter. (coughs) There's her cousin, and she were not possessed with a fury, exceeds her as much in beauty as the first of May to the last of December. But I hope you have no intent to turn husband. Have you? I would scarce trust myself. Though I had sworn the contrary, Hero would be my wife. Is come to this. If faith hath not the world one man, but he will wear his cap with suspicion, shall I never see a bachelor of threescore again? Go to, if faith, and thou wilt needs thrust thy neck into a yoke, wear the print of it, and sigh away Sundays. Oh, look, Don Pedro has returned to seek you. Re enter Don Pedro. What secret hath you here that you followed not to Leonardo's? I would, your grace, would constrain me to tell. I charge thee on thy allegiance. You hear, Count Claudio? I can be secret as a dumb man. I would have you think so, but on my allegiance? Mark you this, on my allegiance? He is in love. With who? Now, that's your grace's part. Mark how short his answer is. With Hero, Leonardo's short daughter. If this were so, so were it uttered. Like the old tale, my lord, it is not so, nor twas not so, but indeed, God forbid, it should be so. Ah, if my passion change not shortly, God forbid, it should be otherwise. Amen, if you love her, for the lady is very well worthy. Oh, you you speak this to fetch me in, my lord. Ah, By my troth, I speak my thought. And in faith, my lord, I spoke mine. And by my two faiths and troths, my lord, I spoke mine. That I love her, I feel. That she is worthy, I know. That I neither feel how she should be loved nor know how she is worthy is the opinion that fire cannot melt out of me. I will die in it at the stake. Thou wast ever an obstinate herrick in the despite of beauty. And never could maintain his part but in the force of his will. (laughs) That a woman conceived me? I thank her that she brought me up. I likewise give her most humble thanks. But that I will have a retreat winded in my forehead or hang my bugle in an invisible baldric, all women shall pardon me. Because I will not do them the wrong to mistrust any, I will do myself the right 
to trust none. And the fine is, for the which I may go, the finer I will live a bachelor. I shall see thee ere I die, look pale with love. With anger, with sickness, or with hunger, my lord, not with love. Prove that ever I lose more blood with love than I get again with drinking. Pick out mine eyes with a ballad maker's pen and hang me at the door of a brothel house for the sign of blind Cupid. Well, if ever thou dost fall from this faith, thou wilt prove a notable argument. If I do, hang me in a bottle like a cat and shoot at me. And be he that hits me, let him be clapped on the shoulder and called Adam. <laughs> well, as time shall try, in time the savage bull doth bear the yoke. The savage bull may, but if ever the sensible Benedict bear it, pluck off the bull's horns and set them in my forehead, and let me be vilely painted, and in such great letters as they write, here is good horse to hire, and let them signify under my sign, here you may see Benedict, the married man. If this should ever happen, thou wouldst be horn mad. Nay, if Cupid hath not spent all his quiver in Venice, thou wilt quake for this shortly. I look for an earthquake too, then. Well, you temporize with the hours. In the meantime, good Signor Benedict, repair to Leonardo's, commend me to him, and tell him I will not fail him at supper, for indeed he hath made great preparation. I have almost enough matter in me for such an embassage. And so I commit you to the tuition of God from my house, if I had it. The 6th of July, your loving friend, Benedict. Nay, mock not, mock not. The body of your discourse is sometime guarded with fragments and the guards are but slightly basted on neither. Ere you flout old ends any further, examine your conscience. And so I leave you. Exit. <clears throat> My liege, your highness now may do me good. I, My love is thine to teach. Teach it but how, and thou shalt see how apt it is to learn any hard lesson that may do thee good. Hath Leonato any son, my lord? No child but hero. She's his only heir. Dost thou affect her, Claudio? Oh, my lord, when you went onward on this ended action, I looked upon her with a soldier's eye that liked, but had a rougher task in hand than to drive liking to the name of love. But now I am returned, and those war thoughts have left their places vacant. In their rooms come thronging, soft and delicate desires, all prompting me how fair young hero is, saying, I liked her ere I went to wars. That will be like a lover presently and tire the hearer with a book of words. <laughs> <laughs> if thou dost love fair hero, cherish it. And I will break with her and with her father, and thou shalt have her. It was not to this end that thou began'st uh, to twist so fine a story? How sweetly you do minister to love, that no love's grief by his own complexion 
but lest my liking might too sudden seem, I, I would have solved it with a longer treatise. What need the bridge be much broader than the flood? The fairest grant is the necessity. Look, what will serve is fit. Tis once thou lovest, and I will fit thee with the remedy. I know. Uh, we shall have reveling tonight. I will assume thy part in some disguise and tell fair hero I am Claudio. And in her bosom, I'll unclasp my heart and take her hearing prisoner with the force and strong encounter of my amorous tale. Uh, and then after to her father, will I break the conclusion and the conclusion is she shall be thine. In practice, let us put it presently. Exit. Scene two, a room in Leonardo's house. Enter Leonardo and Antonio meeting. How now, brother? Where is my cousin, your son? Hath he provided this music? He's very busy about it. But, brother, I can tell you strange news that you yet dreamt not of. Are they good? As the event stamps them, but they have a good cover. They show well outward. The prince and Count Claudio, walking in a thick pleached alley in mine orchard, were thus much overheard by a man of mine. The prince discovered to Claudio that he loved my niece, your daughter, and meant to acknowledge it this night in a dance. And if he found her accordant, he meant to take the present time by the top and instantly break with you of it. Hath the fellow any wit that told you this? A good sharp fellow. I will send for him and question him yourself. No, no, we will hold it as a dream till it appear itself. But I will acquaint my daughter withal, that she may be the better prepared for an answer, if peradventure this be true. Go you and tell her of it. Cousins, you know what you have to do. Oh, I cry you mercy, friend. Go you with me, and I will use your skill. Good cousin, have a care this busy time. Excellent. Scene three, the same. Enter Don John and Conrad. What the good year, my lord? Why are you thus out of measure sad? There is no measure in the occasion that breeds. Therefore, the sadness is without limit. You should hear reason. There is no... And when I have heard it, what blessings bring it? If not a present remedy, at least a patient sufferance. I wonder that thou... Being as thou sayest thou art, born under Saturn, ghost about to apply a mortal medicine to a mortifying mischief. I cannot hide what I am. <laughs> I must be sad when I have cause and smile at no man's jests. Eat when I have stomach and wait for no man's leisure. Sleep when I am drowsy and tend on no man's business <laughs> laugh when i am merry and claw no man in his humor yeah but you must not make the full show of this till you may do it without controlment you have of late stood out against your brother and he hath ta'en you newly into his grace where it is impossible you should take true root but by the fair weather that you make yourself it is needful that you frame the season for your own harvest. I had rather be a canker in a hedge than a rose in his grace. And it better fits my blood to be disdained of all than to fashion a carriage to rob love from any. In this, though, I cannot be said to be a flattering, honest man. It must not be denied 
but I'm a plain dealing villain. <laughs> I am trusted with a muzzle and enfranchised with a clog. Therefore, I have decreed not to sing in my cage. If I had my mouth, I would bite. If I had my liberty, I would do my liking. And in the meantime, let me be that I am and seek not to alter me. Can you make no use of your discontent? <laughs> I make all use of it, for I use it only. Who comes here? Enter Baraccio. What news, Baraccio? I come yonder from a great supper. The prince, your brother, is royally entertained by Leonato, and I can give you intelligence of an intended marriage. Will it serve for any model to build mischief on? <laughs> what is he for a fool that betroths himself to unquietness? Mary, it is your brother's right hand. Huh. Who? The most exquisite Claudio? Even he. <laughs> a proper squire. <laughs> and who and who? Which way looks he? Mary. On Hero, the daughter and heir of Leonato. Very <laughs> forward, March Chick. <laughs> How come you to this? Being entertained for a perfumer, and as I was smoking a musty room, comes me, the prince and Claudio, hand in hand in sad conference. I whipped me behind the heiress, and there heard it agreed upon that he... The prince should woo Hero for himself, and having obtained her, give her to Count Claudio. Hmm. Come, come, let us thither. This may prove food to my displeasure. That young startup hath all the glory of my overthrow. If I can cross him in any way, I bless myself in every way. You are both sure and will assist me? Oh. To the death, my lord. Let us to the great supper. Their cheers the greater than I am subdued. Where <laughs> the cook that were of my mind? <laughs> Shall we go prove what's to be done? We'll wait upon your lordship. Excellent. At two, scene one, a hall in Leonardo's house. Enter Leonardo, Antonio, Hero, Beatrice, and others. Was not Count John here at supper? I saw him not. Partly that gentleman looks. I never can see him, but I'm heartburned an hour after. He is of a very melancholy disposition. He were an excellent man that would made just in the midway between him and Benedict. The one is too like an image and says nothing, and the other too like my lady's eldest son, ever more tappling. Then half Senior Benedict's tongue in Count John's mouth, and half Count John's melancholy in Senior Benedict's face. With a good leg and a good foot, uncle, and money enough in his purse, such a man would win any woman in the world, if he could get a good will. By my troth, niece, thou wilt never get thee a husband if thou be so shrewd of thy tongue. In faith, she's too cursed. Too cursed is more than cursed. I shall lessen God's sending that way. For it is said, God sends a cursed cow short hens, short horns, but to a cow too cursed, he sends none. So by being too cursed, God will send you no horns. Just, if he send me no husband. For the which blessing I am at him upon my knees every morning and evening. Lord, I could not endure a husband with a beard on his face. Oh, I'd rather lie in the woolen. 
You may light on a husband that hath no beard. What should I do with him? Dress him in my apparel and make him my waiting gentlewoman? He that hath a beard is more than a youth, and he that hath no beard is less than a man. And he that is more than a youth is not for me. And he that is less than a man, I am not for him. Therefore, I will even take sixpence in earnest of the bear ward and lead his apes into hell. Well, then go you into hell? No, but but to the gate. And there will the devil meet me and like an old cuckold with horns on his head and say, get you to heaven, Beatrice, get you to heaven. There's no place here for you maids. So deliver I, so deliver I up my apes and away to St. Peter for the heavens. He shows me where the bachelors sit and there live we as merry as the day is long. Well, niece, I trust you will be ruled by your father. Yes, faith, it is my cousin's duty to make curtsy and say, father, as it please you. But yet for all that, cousin, let him be a handsome fellow, or else make another curtsy and say, Father, as it please me. Well, niece, I hope to see you one day fitted with a husband. Not till God make men of some other metal than earth. Would it not grieve a woman to be overmastered with a piece of valiant dust? To make an account of her life to a clod of wayward moral? No, uncle, I'll none. Adam's sons are my brethren, and truly I hold it a sin to match in my kindred. Daughter, remember what I told you. If the prince do solicit you in that kind, you know your answer. The fault will be in the music, cousin, if you be not wooed in good time. If the prince be too important, tell him there is measure in everything, and so dance at the answer. For hear me, hero, wooing, wedding, and repenting is as a scotch jig, a measure, and a syncopace. The first suit is hot and hasty like a scotch jig, and full as fantastical. The wedding... Mannerly modest is a measure full of state and ancientry, and then comes repentance, and with his bad legs falls into the pace faster and faster till he sink into his grave. Cousin, you apprehend passing shrewdly. I have a good eye, uncle. I can see a church by daylight. The revelers are entering. Brother, make good room. All put on their masks. Enter John Pedro, Claudio, Benedict, Balthazar, Don John, Baraccio, Margaret, Ursula, and others, all masked. Lady, will you walk about with your friend? So you walk softly and look sweetly and say nothing. I am yours for the walk. And especially when I walk away. With me in your company? I may say so when I please. And when please you to say so? When I like your favor. For God defend, the loot should be like the case. My visor is Philemon's roof. Within the house is Jove. Why, then, your visor should be thatched. <laughs> speak low if you speak love. Drawing her aside. Well, I would you did like me. So would not I, for your sake. For I have many ill qualities. Which is one? I say my prayers aloud. I love you the better. The hearers may cry, Amen. God match me with a good dancer. Amen. And God, keep him out of my sight when the dance is done. Answer that, clerk. No more words. The clerk is answered. I know you well enough. You are Signor Antonio. At a word, I am not. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I know you by the waggling of your head. Uh, to tell you true, I counterfeit him. 
You could never do him so ill well unless you were the very man. Here's his dry hand up and down. You are he. You are he. A word. I am not. Come, come. Do you think I do not know you by your excellent wit? Can virtue hide itself? Go to, mum. You are he. Graces will appear, and there's an end. Will you not tell me who told you so? No. You shall pardon me. Nor will you not tell me who you are. Not now. That I was disdainful. That I had my good wit out of the hundred merry tales. Well, this was Signor Benedict that said so. What's he? I am sure you know him well enough. Not I, believe me. Did he never make you laugh? I pray you, what is he? Why, he is the prince's jester, a very dull fool. Only his gift is in devising impossible slanders. None but libertines delight in him. And the commendation is not in his wit, but in his villainy. For he both pleases men and angers them. And then they laugh at him and beat him. I am sure he is in the fleet. I would he had boarded me. When I know the gentleman, I'll tell him what you say. Do. Do. He'll but break a comparison or two on me, which, peradventure not marked or not laughed at, strikes him into a melancholy, and then there's a partridge winks out, for the fool will eat no dinner that night. Music. Oh, we must follow the leaders. In every good thing. Nay, if they lead any ill, I will leave them at the next turning. Dance. Then exint all except Don John Baraccio and Claudio. Sure, my brother is amorous on hero and hath withdrawn her father to break with him about it. The ladies follow her, but one visor remains. And that is Claudio. I know him by his bearing. Are you not Signor Benedict? I'm sorry, Lord. Oh, I well, I'm he. Mm, Signor, more very dear, my brother and his love. He is enamored on hero. I pray you, dissuade him from her. She has no equal for his birth. You may do the part of an honest man in it. <laughs> how, how know you he loves her? I heard him swear his affection. So did I too. And he swore he would marry her tonight. Come, let us to the banquet. Exit Don John and Baraccio. <laughs> Thus answer I in the name of Benedict. But hear these ill news with the ears of Claudio. It is certain so. The prince woos for himself. <laughs> Friendship is constant. In all other things, save in the office and affairs of love. Therefore, all hearts in love use their own tongues. Let every eye negotiate for itself and trust no agent. For beauty is a witch against whose charms faith melteth into blood. This is an accident of hourly proof, which I mistrusted not. Farewell, therefore, hero. Re-enter Benedict. Oh, Claudio. Yay. 
Same. Come, will you go with me? With her? Even to the next willow. About your own business, County. What fashion will you wear the garland of? About your neck, like an usurer's chain, or under your arm, like a lieutenant's scarf? You must wear it one way, for the prince hath got your hero. I wish him joy of her. Why, that's spoken like an honest drovier. <laughs> so they sell bullocks. But did you think the prince would have served you thus? I pray you, leave me. Whoa, now you strike like the blind man. It was the boy that stole your meat, and you'll beat the post. If it will not be, I'll leave you. Exit. Alas, poor hurt fowl. Now will he creep into sedges. But that my lady Beatrice should know me and not know me? The prince's fool? Ha! It may be I go under that title because I am merry. Yea, but so I am apt to do myself wrong. I am not so reputed. It is the base, though bitter, disposition of Beatrice that puts the world into her person and so gives me out. Well, I'll be revenged as I may. Re-enter Don Pedro. Oh, now, senor, where's the count? Did you see him? My lord, I have played the part of Lady Fame. I found him here as melancholy as a lodge in a warren. I told him, and I think I told him true, that your grace had got the goodwill of this young lady, and I offered him my company to a willow tree, either to make him up a garland as being forsaken, or to bind him up a rod as being worthy to be whipped. To be whipped? What's his fault? The flat transgression of a schoolboy who, being overjoyed at finding a bird's nest, shows it his companion, and he steals it. Wilt thou make a trust a transgression? The transgression is in the stealer. Yet it had not been amiss the rod had been made. And the garland, too. For the garland he might have worn himself, and the rod he might have bestowed on you, who, as I take it, have stolen his bird's nest? I will but teach them to sing and, and restore them to the owner. If their singing answer your saying, by my faith you say honestly. The Lady Beatrice has a, hath a quarrel with you. The gentleman that danced with her told her she is much wronged by you. Oh! Mm, she misused me past the endurance of a block. An oak, but with one green leaf on it, would have answered her. My very visor began to assume life and scold with her. She told me, not thinking that I had been myself, that I was the prince's jester, that I was duller than a great thaw, huddling jest upon jest with such impossible conveyance upon me that I stood like a man at a mark with a whole army shooting at me. She speaks poniards and every word stabs. If her breath were as terrible as her termination, there were no living near her. She would infect to the North Star. I would to God. I would not marry her, though she were endowed with all that Adam had left him before he transgressed. She would have made Hercules have turned spit. Yea, and have cleft his club to make the fire, too. Come, talk not of her. You shall find her the infernal Ate in good apparel. I 
would to God some scholar would conjure her. For certainly, while she is here, a man may live as quiet in hell as in a sanctuary, and people sin upon purpose because they would go thither. So, indeed, all disquiet, horror, and perturbation follows her. Look, here she comes. Enter Claudio, Beatrice, Hero, and Leonardo. Will your grace command me any service to the world's end? I will go on the slightest errand now to the Antipodes that you can devise to send me on. I will fetch you a toothpicker from the furthest inch of Asia, bring you the length of Prester John's foot, fetch you a hair off the great Cham's beard. Do you any embassage to the pygmies rather than hold three words conference with this harpy? You have no employment for me? None. But to desire your good company. Oh, sir, here's a dish I love not. I cannot endure my lady tongue. Come. Lady, come, you have lost the heart of Signor Benedict. Indeed, my lord, he lent it me a while, and I gave him use for it, a double heart for his single one. Mary, once before he won it of me with false dice, therefore your grace may well say I have lost it. You've put him down, lady, you've put him down. <laughs> so I would not he should do me, my lord, lest I should prove the mother of fools. I have brought Count Claudio, whom you sent me to seek. Why? How now, Count? Wherefore are you sad? Not sad, my lord. How then? Sick? Neither, my lord. The Count is neither sick, nor sad, nor merry, nor well, but civil, Count. Civil as in orange, and something of that jealous complexion? Faith, lady, I think you're blazoned to be true, though I'll be sworn, if he be so, his conceit is false. Here. Claudio, I have wooed in thy name, and the fair hero is one. I have broke with her father, and his goodwill obtained. Name the day of marriage, and God give thee joy. Count, take of me my daughter, and with her my fortunes. His grace hath made the match, and in grace say amen to it. Speak, Count, tis your cue. Silence is the perfectest herald of joy. I were but little happy if I could say how much. Lady, as you are mine, I am yours. I give away myself for you and dote upon the exchange. Speak, cousin, or he cannot stop his mouth with a kiss and let him not speak neither. If faith, lady, you have a merry heart. Yea, my lord, I thank it, poor fool. It keeps me on the windy side of care. My cousin tells him in his ear that, she, that he is in her heart. <laughs> and so she doth, cousin. Good lord for alliance. Thus goes every one to the world but I, and I am sunburnt. I may sit in a corner and cry, hey-ho for a husband. Lady Beatrice, I'll get you one. I would rather have one of your father's getting. Hath your grace ne'er a brother like you? 
Your father got excellent husbands if a maid could come by them. Uh, will you have me, lady? <laughs> no, my lord, unless I might have another for working days. Your grace is too costly to wear every day. But I beseech your grace, pardon me. I was born to speak all mirth and no matter. Your silence most offends me. And to be merry best becomes you, for out of question, you were born in a merry hour. No, sure, my lord, my mother cried. But then there was a star danced, and under that was I born. Cousins, God give you joy. Niece, will you look to these things I told you of? I cry you mercy, uncle, by your grace's pardon. Exit. By my troth, a pleasant-spirited lady. There's little of the mel melancholy element in her, my lord. She is never sad but when she sleeps, and not ever sad then. For I have heard my daughter say she hath often dreamed of unhappiness and waked herself with laughing. She cannot endure to hear tell of a husband. Oh, by no means. She mocks all her wooers out of suit. She were an excellent wife for Benedict. <laughs> oh, lord, my, my lord. If they were but a week married, they would talk themselves mad. County Claudio, when mean you to go to church? Tomorrow, my lord. Time goes on crutches till love have all his rights. Not till Monday, my dear son, which is hence just seven night. And a time too brief, too, to have all things answered my mind. Come, you shake the head so long, that's so long a breathing, but... I warrant thee, Claudio, the time shall not go dully by us. I will, in the interim, undertake one of Hercules' labors, which is to bring Signor Benedict and the Lady Beatrice into a mountain of affection, the one with the other. I would fain have it a match. I doubt not but to fashion it. If you three will but minister such assistance as I shall give you direction. My lord... I am for you, though it cost me ten nights' watchings. And I, my lord. And you too, gentle hero. I will do any modest office, my lord, to help my cousin to a good husband. <laughs> and Benedict is not the unhopefulest husband that I know. <laughs> Thus far can I praise him. He is of a noble strain, of approved valor and confirmed honesty. I will teach you how to humor your cousin, that she shall fall in love with Benedict, and I, with your two helps, will so practice on Benedict that, in despite of his quick wit and his queasy stomach, he shall fall in love with Beatrice. If we can do this, Cupid is no longer an archer. His glory shall be ours, <laughs> for we are the only love gods. Go in with me, and I will tell you of my drift. Scene two, the same, enter Don John and Baraccio. It is so. The Count Claudio shall marry the daughter of Leonardo. Yea, my lord. But I can cross it. Any bar, any cross, any impediment will be medicinable to me. I'm sick in displeasure to him. And whatsoever comes athwart his affection ranges evenly with mine. How canst thou cross this marriage? Not honestly, my lord, but so covertly that no dishonesty shall appear in me. Show me briefly how. I think I told your lordship a year since 
how much I am in the favor of Margaret, the waiting gentlewoman to Hero. I remember. I can, at any unseasonable instant of the night, appoint her to look out at her lady's uh, chamber window. What life is in that to be the death of this marriage? The poison of that lies in you to temper. Go you to the prince, your brother. Spare not to tell him that he hath wronged his honor in marrying the renowned Claudio, whose estimation do you mightily hold up to a contaminated, stale, such a one as hero. (laughs) What proof shall I make of that? Proof enough to misuse the prince, to vex Claudio, to undo hero, and kill Leonato? Look you for any other issue. Only to despite them, I will endeavor anything. Go then. Find me a meet hour to draw Don Pedro and the Count Claudio alone. Tell them that you know that Hero loves me. Intend a kind of zeal both to the prince and Claudio, as in love of your brother's honor who hath made this match and his friend's reputation who is thus like to be cousined with the semblance of a maid, that you have discovered thus. They will scarcely believe this without trial. Offer them instances which shall bear no less likelihood than to see me at her chamber window. Hear me call Margaret Hero. Hear Margaret term me Claudio, and bring them to see this the very night before the intended wedding. For in the meantime, I will so fashion the matter that Hero shall be absent, and there shall appear such seeming truth of Hero's disloyalty that jealousy shall be called assurance and all the preparation overthrown. Crow this to what adverse issue it can. I will put it in practice. Be cunning in the working in the working this, and thy fee is a thousand ducats. Be you constant in the accusation, and my cunning shall not shame me. I will go presently to learn their day of marriage. Exunt. Scene three, Leonardo's Orchard. Enter Benedict. Boy. Enter boy. Signor. In my chamber window lies a book. Bring it hither to me here in the orchard. I'm already here, sir. I know that, but I would have the hence and here again. Exit. I do much wonder that one man Seeing how much another man is a fool when he dedicates his behaviors to love, will, after he hath laughed at such shallow follies in others, become the argument of his own scorn by falling in love. And such a man is Claudio. I've known when there was no music with him but the drum and the fife, and now had he rather hear the tabor and the pipe I've known when he would have walked ten mile afoot to see a good armor. And now will he lie ten nights awake carving the fashion of a new doublet. 
He was one to speak plain and to the purpose, like an honest man and a soldier. And now is he turned orthography. His words are a very fantastical banquet, just so many strange dishes. May I be so converted and see with these eyes? I cannot tell. I think not. I'll not be sworn, but love may transform me to an oyster, but I'll take my oath on it. Till he have made an oyster of me, he shall never make me such a fool. One woman is fair, yet I am well. Another is wise, yet I am well. Another virtuous, yet I am well. But till all graces be in one woman, one woman shall not come in my grace. <laughs> Rich she shall be, that's certain. Wise, or... Uh, I'll never, uh, wise, or I'll none. Virtuous, or I'll never cheapen her. Fair, or I'll never look on her. Mild, or come not near me. Noble, or not I for an angel. Of good discourse, an excellent musician, and her hair shall be... Of what color it please God. Uh, Prince and Monsieur Love, I will hide me in the arbor. Withdraws. Enter Don Pedro, Claudio, and Leonardo. Um, shall we hear this music? Oh, uh, yea, uh, yea, my good lord, how still the evening is, as hushed on purpose to grace harmony. You see where Benedict hath hid himself? Very well, my lord. <laughs> the music ended will fit the kid fox with a pennyworth. Enter Balthazar with music. <clears throat> Come, Balthazar, we'll hear that song again. Oh, good, my lord. Talk's not so bad a voice to slander music any more than once. If uh, it is the witness still of excellency to put a strange face on his own perfection, I pray thee... Sing, and let me woo no more. Because you talk of wooing, I will sing. Since many a wooer doth commence his suit to her he thinks not worthy, yet he woos, yet will he swear he loves. Now, pray thee, come, or if thou wilt hold longer argument, do it in notes. Note this before my notes. There's not a note of mine that's worth the noting. Why, these are the very crochets that he speaks. Notes, notes. Forsooth, and nothing. Now divine air, now is his soul ravaged. Is it not strange that sheep's guts should hail souls out of men's bodies? Well, a horn for my money when all's done. <clears throat> sigh no more, lady, sigh no more, man were deceivers ever. One foot in sea and one on 
and sure to one thing constant never then sigh not so but let them go and be you blithe and bonny converting all your sounds of woe into hey nonny nonny sing no more ditty sing no more of dumps so dull and heavy the fraud of men was ever so since summer first was leafy then sigh not so but let them go and be you blithe and bonny Burning all your sounds of woe and to hey nani nani. By my trough, uh, a good song. And an ill singer, my lord. <laughs> no, no, Faith, thou singest well enough for a shift. And he had been a dog that should have howled thus, they would have hanged him. And I pray God his bad voice bode no mischief. I'd as lief have heard the night raven come what plague could have come after it. Yea, Mary, dost thou hear, Balthazar? Uh, I pray thee, get us some excellent music. For tomorrow night we would have it at the Lady Hero's chamber window. The best I can, my lord. Do so. Farewell. Exit Balthazar. Come hither, Leonardo. <clears throat> what was it you told me of today that your niece Beatrice was in love with Signor Benedict? Hmm? Oh, I stock on, stock on the foul sits. I, I did never think that lady would have loved any man. No, nor I neither. But most wonderful that she should so dote on Signor Benedict, when whom she hath in all outward behaviors seemed ever to abhor. Is it possible? Sits the wind in that corner? Um, by my troth, my lord, I cannot tell what to think of it, but that she loves him with an enraged affection. It is past the infinite of thought. Uh, may she doth but counterfeit. Faith, like enough. Oh, God, uh, counterfeit. There was never a counterfeit of passion came so near the life of passion as she discovers it. Why? What effects of passion shows she? Bait the hook well. This fish will bite. Uh, what effects, uh, my lord? Um, she will sit you. You heard my daughter tell you how she did indeed uh, how how pray you you amaze me i would have thought her spirit had been invincible against all assaults of affection i would have sworn it had my lord especially against benedict i should think this a gull but that the white-bearded fellow speaks it knavery cannot sure hide himself in such reverence you see the infection hold it up uh, hath she made her affection known to Benedict? No. Uh, and uh, 
swears she never will. That's her torment. Tis true, indeed. So your daughter says, Shall I, says she, that have so oft encountered him with scorn, write to him that I love him? This says she now, when she is beginning to write to him, for she'll be up twenty times a night, and there will she sit in her smock till she have writ a sheet of paper. Um, my daughter tells us all. Uh, now, now you talk of a sheet of paper. I remember a pretty jest your daughter told us of. Oh, uh, when she had read it and was reading it over, she found Benedict and Beatrice between the sheet. <laughs> oh, uh, she she tore the letter into a thousand halfpence, uh, railed at herself that she should be so immodest to write to one that she knew would flout her. I measure him, says she, by my own spirit, for I should flout him if he writ to me, yea, though I love him, I should. Then down upon her knees she falls, weeps, sobs, beats her heart, tears her hair, prays, curses. Oh, sweet Benedict, God give me patience. She doth indeed. Uh, My daughter says so. Um, And the ecstasy hath so much overborne her that my daughter is sometimes afeard. She will do a desperate outrage to herself it it is very true it were good that benedict knew of it by some other if she will not discover it to what end he would make but a sport of it and torment the poor lady worse and he should if it were an alms to hang him she's an excellent sweet lady and out of all suspicion she is virtuous and she is exceeding wise in everything, but in loving Benedict. (laughs) uh, My lord, wisdom and blood combating in so tender a body, we have ten proofs to one that blood hath the victory. I am sorry for her, as I have just caused being her uncle and her guardian. I would she had bestowed this dotage on me. I would have daffed all other respects and made her half myself. I pray you, tell Benedict of it, and hear what he will say. Were it good, think you? Hero thinks she will surely die, for she says she will die if he love her not, and she will die ere she make her love known, and she will die if he woo her, rather than she will abate one breath of her accustomed crossness. She doth well. If she should make tender of her love, tis very possible he'll scorn her for it, The man, as you know all, hath a contemptible spirit. He is a very proper man. He hath indeed a good outward happiness. Before God, and in my mind, very wise. He doth indeed show some sparks that are like wit. And I take him to be valiant. As Hector, I assure you. And in the managing of quarrels, you may say he is very wise, for either he avoids them with great discretion or undertakes them with a most Christian-like fear. 
If he do fear God, I must necessarily keep peace. If he break the peace, he ought to enter into a quarrel with fear and trembling. And so will he do. For the man doth fear God, however so. It seems not in him by some large jest he will make. Well, I am sorry for your niece. Mm. Shall we go seek Benedict and tell him of her love? Never tell him, my lord. Uh, let her wear it out with good counsel. Nay, that's impossible. She may wear her heart. Her, she may wear her heart out first. Mm. Well, we will hear further of it by your daughter. Let it cool the while. I love Benedict well, and mm. I could wish he would modestly examine himself to see how much he is unworthy so good a lady. My lord, will you walk? Dinner is ready. If he do not dote on her upon this, I will never trust my expectation. <laughs> Let there be the same net spread for her, and that I must trust your daughter and her gentlewoman will carry. The sport will be when they hold one an opinion of another's dotage, and no such matter. That's the scene that I would see, which will be merely a dumb show. Let us send her to call him and let, let us send her to call him into dinner. Exunt Don Pedro, Claudio, and Leonardo. This can be no trick. The conference was sadly born. They have the truth of this from Hero. They seem to pity the lady. It seems her affections have their full bent. Love me. Why? It must be requited. I hear how I am censured. They say I will bear myself proudly if I perceive the love come from her. They say, too, that she will rather die than give any sign of affection. I did never think to marry. I must not seem proud. Happy are they that hear their detractions and can put them to mending. They say... The lady is fair. Tis a truth. I can bear them witness. And virtuous. Tis so. I cannot reprove it. And wise. But for loving me. By my troth, it is no addition to her wit. Nor no great argument of her folly. For I will be horribly in love with her. I may chance have some odd quirks and remnants of wit broken on me because I've railed so long against marriage. But doth not the appetite alter? A man loves the meat in his youth he cannot endure in his age. Shall quips and sentences and these paper bullets of the brain awe a man from the career of his humor? No, the world must be peopled. When I said I would die a bachelor, I did not think I should live till I were married. Here comes Beatrice. By this day, she is a fair lady. I do spy some marks of love in her. Enter Beatrice. Against my will, I am sent to bid you come in to dinner. 
Fair Beatrice, I thank you for your pains. <laughs> I took no more pains for those thanks than you take pains to thank me. If it had been painful, I would not have come. You take pleasure, then, in the message? Yea, just so much as you may take upon a knife's point and choke a daw withal. You have no stomach, senor. Fare you well. <laughs> Exit. Huh. Against my will, I am sent to bid you come into dinner? There's a double meaning in that. I took no more pains for those thanks than you took pains to thank me. That's as much as to say any pains I take for you is as easy as thanks. <laughs> if I do not take pity of her, I'm a villain. If I do not love her, I'm... I'll go get her picture. Exit. Act three, scene one, Leonardo's garden. Enter hero, Margaret, and Ursula. Good Margaret. Run thee to the parlor. There shalt thou find my cousin Beatrice, proposing with the prince and Claudio. Whisper her ear and tell her I and Ursula walk in the orchard, and our whole discourse is all of her. <laughs> Say that thou overheardst us, and bid her steal into the pleached bower where honeysuckles, ripened by the sun, forbid the sun to enter, like favorites made proud by princes that advance their pride against the power that bred it. There will she hide her to listen to our purpose. This is thy office. Bear thee well in it and leave us alone. I will make her come, I warrant you, presently. Exit. Now, Ursula. When Beatrice doth come, as we do trace this alley up and down, our talk must only be of Benedict. When I do name him, let it be thy part to praise him more than ever man did merit. My talk to thee must be how Benedict is sick in love with Beatrice. Of this matter is little Cupid's crafty arrow made that only wounds by hearsay. Enter Beatrice behind. Now begin, for look where Beatrice like a lopping runs close to the ground to hear our confidence. The pleasantest angling is to see the fish cut with her golden oars the silver stream and greedily devour the treacherous bait. So angle we for Beatrice, who even now is couched in the woodbine coverture. Fear you not my part of the dialogue. Then go we near her, that her ear lose nothing of the false sweet bait that we lay for it. No! Truly, Ursula, she is too disdainful. I know her spirits are as coy and wild as peggards of the rock. But are you sure that Benedict loves Beatrice so entirely? So says the prince and my new troth lord. And did they bid you tell her of it, madam? They did entreat me to acquaint her of it. But I persuaded them, if they loved Benedict, to wish him wrestle with affection and never to let Beatrice know of it. Why did you so? Doth not the gentleman deserve as full, as fortunate a bed as ever Beatrice shall couch upon? Oh, God of love, 
I know he doth deserve as much as may be yielded to a man. But nature never framed a woman's heart of prouder stuff than that of Beatrice. Disdain and scorn ride sparkling in her eyes, misprising what they look on, and her wit values itself so highly that to her all matter else seems weak. She cannot love, nor take no shape, nor project of affection. She is so self-endeared. Sure, I think so. And therefore, certainly it were not good she knew his love, lest she make sport at it. Why, you speak truth. I never yet saw man, how wise, how noble, young, how rarely featured, but she would spell him backward. If fair-faced, she would swear the gentleman should be her sister. If black-white nature drawing of an antique made a foul blot. If tall, a lance, ill-headed. If low, an agate, very vilely cut. If speaking, why a vein blown with all winds? If silent, why a block moved with none? So turns she every man the wrong side out, and never gives to truth and virtue that which simpleness and merit purchaseth. Sure, sure. Such carping is not commendable. No, not to be so odd and from all fashions as Beatrice is cannot be commendable. But who dare tell her so? If I should speak, she would mock me into air. She would laugh me out of myself. Press me to death with wit. Therefore, let Benedict, like covered fire, consume away in size, waste inwardly. It were a better death than die with mocks, which is as bad as die with tickling. Yet tell her of it. Hear what she will say. No, rather I will go to Benedict and counsel him to fight against his passion. And truly, I'll devise some honest slanders to stain my cousin with. One doth not know how much an ill word may empoison liking. Oh, do not do your cousin such a wrong. She cannot be so much without true judgment, having so swift and excellent a wit as she is prized to have, as to refuse so rare a gentleman as Signor Benedict. He is the only man of Italy. Always accepted, my dear Claudio. I pray you, be not angry with me, madam, speaking my fancy. Signor Benedict, for shape, for bearing, argument, and valor, hmm, goes foremost in report through Italy. <laughs> Indeed, he hath an excellent good name. His excellence did earn it, ere he had it. When are you married, madam? Why, every day tomorrow. Come, go in. I'll show thee some attires and have thy counsel, which is the best to furnish me tomorrow. She's limed, I warrant you. We have caught her, madam. If it proves so, then loving goes by haps. Some Cupid kills with arrows, some with traps. Exend Hero and Ursula. What fire is in mine ears? Can this be true? Stand I condemned for pride and scorn so much. Contempt farewell, and maiden pride adieu. No glory lives behind the back of such. Benedict, love on. 
I will requite thee, taming my wild heart to thy loving hand. If thou dost love, my kindness shall incite thee to bind our loves up in a holy band. For others say thou dost deserve, and I believe it more than reporting me. Exit. Scene two, a room in Leonardo's house. Enter Don Pedro, Claudio, Benedict, and Leonardo. I do but stay till your marriage be consummate, and then go I toward Aragon. I'll bring you thither, my lord, if you'll vouchsafe me. Nay, that would be as great a soil in the new gloss of your marriage as to show a child his new coat and forbid him to wear it. I will only be bold with Benedict for company. For from the crown of his head to the sole of his foot, he is all mirth. He hath twice or thrice cut Cupid's bowstring, and the little hangman dare not shoot at him. He hath a heart as sound as a bell, and his tongue is the clapper. For what his heart thinks is his tongue. For what his heart thinks, his tongue speaks. Galance, I am not as I have been. So say I methinks you are sadder. I hope he be in love. Hang him, Truant. There is no true drop of blood in him. It be truly touched, to be truly touched with love. If he be sad, he just wants money. I have the toothache. Draw it. Hang it! You must hang it first and draw it afterwards. What? Sigh for the toothache? Where is but a humor or a worm? Well, every man can master a grief but he that has it. Yet say I, he is in love. There's no appearance of fancy in him, unless it be a fancy he hath to strange disguises. As to be a Dutchman today, a Frenchman tomorrow, or in the shape of two countries at once, as a, a German from the waist downward, all slops, and a Spaniard from the hip upward, no doublet. <laughs> Unless he have a fancy to this foolery, as it appears he hath, he's no fool for fancy, as you would have it appear he is. If he be not in love with some woman, there is no believing old signs. He brushes his hat o' mornings. What should that bode? Hath any man seen him at the barber's? No, but the barber's man hath been seen with him, and the old ornament of his cheek hath already stuffed tennis balls. Indeed, he looks younger than he did by the loss of a beard. <laughs> oh, nay, a rubs himself with civets. Can you smell him out by that? Mm, that's as much as to say the sweet youth's in love. <laughs> the greatest note of it is his melancholy. And when was he wont to wash his face? Yea, or to paint himself. For the <laughs> which, I hear what they say of him. Nay, but his jesting spirit, which is now crept into a lute string and now governed by stops. <laughs> Indeed, that tells a heavy tale for him. Conclude, conclude, he is in love. Nay, but I know who loves him. That would I know, too. I warrant. One that knows him not. <laughs> yes, and his ill conditions. And, in despite of all, dies for him. She shall be buried with her face upwards. Yet this is no charm for the toothache. Old Signor, 
walk aside with me. I have studied eight or nine wise words to speak to you, which these hobby horses must not hear. Excellent, Benedict and Leonardo. <laughs> For my life to break with him about Beatrice. Is even so. Hero and Margaret have by this played their parts with Beatrice, and then the two bears will not bite one another when they meet. Enter Don John. My lord and brother, God save you. Good den, brother. If your leisure served, I would speak with you. In private? Mm, If it please you, yet Count Claudio may hear, for what I would speak of concerns him. What's the matter? means your lordship to be married tomorrow. You know he does. I know not that. When he knows what I know. There be any impediment. (laughs) I pray you discover it. You may think I love you not. Let that appear hereafter and aim better at me by by that I now will manifest. For my brother, I think he holds you well and in dearness of heart hath hoped to affect your ensuing marriage. Surely suit ill-spent and labor ill-bestowed. Why? What's the matter? I came hither to tell you. In circumstances shortened, for she has been too long a-talking of, the lady is disloyal. Who? Hero? Even she, Leonardo's hero? Your hero? Every man's hero. Disloyal. The word is too good to paint out her wickedness. I could say she were worse. Think you of a worse title and I will fit her to it. Hey! Wonder not till further warrant. Go but with me tonight and you shall see her chamber window entered, even the night before her wedding day. If you love her then, tomorrow wed her. It would better fit your honor to change your mind. (laughs) May this be so. I will not think it. Oh. Dare not trust that you see, confess not that you know. If you will follow me, I will show you enough. And when you have seen more and heard more, proceed accordingly. If I see anything tonight, why I should not marry her tomorrow, in the congregation where I should wed, there shall I... Shame her? And as I wooed for thee to obtain her, I will join with thee to disgrace her. I will disparage her no farther till you are my witnesses. Bear it coldly but till midnight, and then let the issue show itself. Oh, day untowardly turned. Oh, 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 mischief, strangely thwarting. A whole plague right well prevented. So will you say when you have seen the sequel? Exit. Scene three, a street. Enter Dogberry and Verges with the watch. Are you good men and true? Yea, or else it were pity, but they should suffer salvation, body and soul. Nay, that were a punishment too good for them. If they should have any allegiance in them being chosen for the prince's watch. Well, give them their charge, neighbor Dogberry. First, who think you the most desertless man to be constable? 
few old cakes, sir, or George C. Cole, for they can write and read. Come hither, neighbor C. Cole. God hath blessed you with a good name. To be well-favored, man, is the gift of fortune, but to write and read comes by nature. Both which, Master Constable? You have. I knew it, you would, I knew it would be your answer. Well, for your favor, sir, why, <laughs> give God thanks and make no boast of it. And for your writing and reading, let that appear when there is no need of such vanity. You are thought here to be the most senseless and fit man for the constable of the watch. Therefore, bear you the lantern. This is your charge. You shall comprehend all vagrom men. You are to bid any man stand in the prince's name. How if he will not stand? Why then, take no note of him. But let him go and presently call the rest of the watch together and thank God you are rid of a knave. If he will not stand when he is bidden, he is none of the prince's subjects. True. And they are to meddle with none but the prince's subjects. You shall also make no noise in the street for, <laughs> for to watch, to babble, for the watch to babble and to talk is most tolerable and not to be endured. We be well rather sleep than talk. We know what belongs to a watch. Why, you speak like an ancient and most quiet watchman. For I cannot see how sleeping should offend. Only have a care that your bills are not stolen. Well, you are to call at all the alehouses and bid that you uh, and bid those that are drunk get them to bed. How if they will not? Why, then let them alone till they are sober. If they make you not, then the better answer. You may say they are not the men that you took them for. Well, sir. If you meet a thief, you may suspect him by virtue of your office to be no man. <laughs> and for such kind of men, the less you meddle or make with them, why, the more is for your honesty. If we know him to be a thief, shall we not lay hands on him? Truly, by your office, you may. But I think they that touch pit will be a pitch will be defiled. The most peaceable way for you, if you do take a thief, is to uh, let him show himself what he is and steal out of your company. You have always been called a merciful man, partner. Truly, I would not hang a dog by my will, much more a man who hath any honesty in him. If you hear a child cry in the night, you must call to the nurse and bid her still it. Oh, if the nurse be asleep and will not hear us? Why then, depart in peace and let the child wake her with crying. For the ewe that will not hear the lamb when it bays will never answer a calf when he bleeds. Tis very true. This is the end of the charge. You, constable, are to present the prince's own person. If you meet the prince in the night, you may stay him. 
Nay, by Our Lady, I, that I think I cannot. Uh, five shillings to one on it. <laughs> With any man that knows the statutes, he may stay him. Mary, not without the prince being willing, for indeed the watch ought not to offend no man, and it, it is an offense to stay a man against his will. By Our Lady, I think it be so. <laughs> well, masters, good night. And there be any matter of weight chances, call upon me. Keep your fellow's counsel and your own, and good night. Come, neighbor. Well, masters, we hear all charge. Let us go sit here upon the church bench till two, and then all to bed. Uh, uh, mm, mm. One word more, honest neighbours. I pray you watch about Signor Leonardo's door, for the wedding being there tomorrow, there's a, a great coil tonight. Adieu. Be vigilant, I beseech you. Exent Dogberry and Burgess and Tabraccio and Conrad. What, Conrad? Face! Stern out. Conrad, I say! Here, man, I'm at thy elbow. Mass, and my elbow itch, I thought there would a scab follow. I will owe thee an answer for that, and now, oh, forward with thy tail. Stand thee close, then, under this penthouse, for it drizzles rain, and I will, like a true drunkard, utter all to thee. Some treason! Masters, yet stand close! Therefore, no. I have earned of Don John a thousand ducats. Is it possible that any villainy should be so dear? Thou shouldst rather ask if it were possible any villainy should be so rich. For when rich villains have need of poor ones, poor ones may make what price they will. Uh, I wonder at it. That shows thou art unconfirmed. Thou knowest that the fashion of a doublet or a hat or a cloak is nothing to a man. Yes, it is apparel. I mean, the fashion. Yes, the fashion is the fashion. Tush, I, I may as well say the fool's the fool. But seest thou not what a deformed thief this fashion is? I know the deformed has been a vile thief this seven year. It goes up and down like a gentleman. I remember his name. Did thou not hear somebody? No. Twas the vein on the house. Seest thou not, I say, what a deformed thief this fashion is? How giddily it turns about all the hot bloods between fourteen and five and thirty? Sometimes fashioning them like Pharaoh's soldiers in the reeky painting, sometimes like God Bell's priests in the old church window, sometimes like the shaven Hercules in the smirched, warm-eaten tapestry where his codpiece seems as massy as his club. All this I see, and I see that the fashion wears out more apparel than the man, but thou art not thyself giddy with the fashion too, that thou hast shifted out of thy tail into telling me of the fashion? Not so neither, but, but know that I have tonight wooed Margaret, the Lady Hero's gentlewoman, by the name of Hero. She leans me out at her mistress's chamber window, 
bids me a thousand times good night. I tell this tale vilely. I should first tell thee how the prince, Claudio, and my master, planted and placed and possessed by my master, Don John, saw afar, off in the orchard, this amiable encounter. And thought they Margaret was hero? Two of them did, the prince and Claudio. But the devil, my master, knew she was Margaret. And partly by his oaths, which first preceded them, partly by the dark night, which did deceive them, but chiefly by my villainy, which did confirm any slander that Don John had made, away went Claudio, enraged, swore he would meet her as he was appointed next morning at the temple, and there, before the whole congregation, shame her with what he saw or night and send her home again without a husband. <laughs> we charge you in the prince's name. Stand. Call up the master constable. We have here recovered the most dangerous piece of lechery that ever was known in the Commonwealth. And one deformed is one of them. I know him. Oh, where's a lock? Uh, masters. Masters. But... You'll be made. Bring deformed forth, I warrant you. Masters, I... Never speak. We charge you, let us obey you to go with us. Prove a goodly commodity being taken up of these men's bills. A commodity in question, I warn you. Come, we'll obey you. Good. Scene four, Hero's apartment. Enter Hero, Margaret, and Ursula. Good Ursula, wake my cousin Beatrice and desire her to rise. I will, lady. And bid her come hither. Well. Exit. Truth, I think your other rabato were better. No. Pray thee, good Meg, I'll wear this. But my troth is not so good, and I warrant your cousin will say so. <laughs> my cousin's a fool, and thou art another. I'll wear none but this. <sighs> I like the new tire within excellently. If the hair were a thud browner... And your gown's a most rare fashion of faith. I saw the Duchess Milan's gown that they praise so. Oh, that exceeds, they say. By my trust, it is but a nightgown in respect of yours. Cloth of gold and cuts and laced with silver, set with pearls, down sleeves, side sleeves, and skirts. Round underborn with a bluish tinsel. But for a fine, quaint, graceful, and excellent fashion, yours is worth ten on it. God give me joy to wear it, for my heart is exceeding heavy. Sorry, guys, my thing froze. Am I frozen? No. Everything is frozen. Oh, no. Hello? We're still, I'm still seeing and hearing you. All right, I'm not sure what's going on. Because I'm completely frozen on mine. Okay, just pause for a second, Nicole. Yeah, sorry, everybody. That's okay. Can you reboot or something? Or? Yeah, that's the that's what I'm trying to do. It won't even let me 
task manage. So I'm gonna try logging on on the phone. We can, we can see and hear you. Oh. You can just read from your script. Oh, oh I might've spoken too soon now. She's <laughs> <laughs> What happened? Did I go somewhere? Nope, now we can hear you. Okay. I don't know what the hell's happening. If you just read from your script where you are, we can hear and see you fine. Okay, cool. I'm trying to find where I am <laughs> on the phone. <laughs> the problem is like even the script on the computer is frozen. Ah. So uh, I can't move it to see what the next line is. I see. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we've you, got problems. Yeah. If you can search for um, my heart is exceedingly heavy, exceeding heavy. That'll give you where you need to be. Okay. Thank yeah, so you. We, someone just posted your, your next line in the chat if you just want to read that. I want to make sure that I actually get where we're supposed to go, it, though. <laughs> yeah, because you have a little speech coming up. Yes. That is why. All right. <laughs> you can still see me. Yes. <laughs> this is weird. Talk about cold reading. Now I'm blind reading. Okay. <laughs> God, give me joy to wear it, for my heart is exceeding heavy. Oh, no. Oh, no, now she's actually frozen again. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> Twill be heavier soon by the weight of a, man of a man. Oh, fie upon thee, art not ashamed. Of what, lady? Of speaking honorably? Is not marriage honorable in a beggar? Is not your Lord honorable, honorable without? Hmm. Okay, we'll just pause for a minute while we get Nicole back. Oh no, and then we're gonna back up and maybe start. Sure. Not the whole scene, but let's go back to, hmm, when she comes back, we'll take it from, oh, that exceeds, they say. Okay. Okay. Um, I think, I hope she's rebooting. I'm sure she is. Um, anyone want to pop on their cameras, talk to Liz while we wait? <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> I just noticed your much ado about nothing in the background and oh, I yeah. really enjoyed that. Thank you. <laughs> Again, I took it out to take a selfie and then I was like, hey, I might as well just put it on the shelf. <laughs> I have the, my much ado artwork in the background oh. of... The quote from Beatrice. Oh, nice. I have my much ado about blank, uh, nothing blanket. It's got the whole play on it. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> much. Yeah, that hat is amazing, Jerry. Oh, so cute. Uh, Got to find uses for it eventually. Yeah. Once something costumey finds its way into my collection, I'm like, no, I can't get rid of it. There might be a use. <laughs> of course. The make use of it. Lithographs. That's the company that makes the things with prints on them. Gotcha. You know how in like children and youth theater, you sometimes have to invent ensemble roles mm. so you can cast more kids? Yeah. So I did a summer camp production of Into the Woods with no strings, actually, Kelly. Um, and we cast some of the kids who were stronger dancers than singers as an ensemble of trees. 
but like they were used really they were actually used really well the choreography was great and um i had to kind of take one of their place when they dropped out of the show like a week before yeah and so this was my mask from that that's where this came oh. from <laughs> that mask is beautiful this is my tree mask beautiful, yeah. into the woods <laughs> oh no it's worked perfectly for the mask ball it's yeah. glam as heck it really is, Kelly. Oh, nice. <laughs> my star turn hey, is Hillary tenor in Sweeney Todd. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hillary won a, an award for playing a tree. Nice. You won an award for playing a tree? An acting award in high school. So in high school, I was part of um, a one-act play festival every year. Or I don't know if other East Coast schools had that, but you would like do a bunch of one act plays and i had a lot of other time commitments that year so i couldn't come to rehearsal a lot and the one act we chose had a uh, really brief line in the beginning about how this like high school kid was oh. quite free now you're muted <laughs> i'm so sorry friends. <laughs> okay yay right. we're gonna hope that whatever the hell that was doesn't happen again um, we'll return to Hillary's story after the reading, if anyone wants to stay tuned for that. And I would like meantime, to say we're going to pick up this scene from Oh That Exceeds, they say. Okay. Okay. You good? Yes. Cool. <laughs> oh, that exceeds, they say. By my troth, this is but a nightgown in respect of yours. Cloth of gold and cuts and laced with silver, set with pearls, down sleeves, side sleeves, and skirts, round underborn with a bluish tinsel, but for a fine, quaint, graceful, and excellent fashion, yours is worth ten on it. <laughs> oh, God, give me joy to wear it, for my heart is exceedingly heavy. She'll be heavier soon by the weight of a man. Oh, fie upon thee, art not ashamed. Of what, lady? Of speaking honorably? Is not marriage honorable in a beggar? Is not your husband honorable without marriage? I think you would have me say, saving your reverence, a husband. And bad thinking do not rest true speaking. I'll offend nobody. Is there any harm in the heavier for a husband? None, I think. And it be the right husband and the right wife. Otherwise, tis light. And not heavy. Ask my lady Beatrice else. Here she comes. Enter Beatrice. Good morrow, Kaz. Good morrow, sweet hero. Why, how now? Do you speak in the sick tune? I am all out of other tune, methinks. Claps into light of love. That goes without a burden. Do you sing it and I'll dance it? Ye light of love with your heel, then. If your husband have stables enough, you'll see. See, shall lack no bards. Oh, illegitimate construction. I'll scorn that with my heels. It's almost five o'clock, cousin. It's time you were ready. By my troth, I'm exceeding ill. Hey ho. For a hawk, a horse, or a husband? For the letter that begins them all. H. Well, and you not be turned Turk, there's no more sailing by the star. <laughs> what means the fool trow? Nothing I. But God sent everyone their heart's desire. Hmm, these gloves the Count sent me, they are an excellent perfume. I am stuffed, cousin. I cannot smell. 
A maid and stuffed. There is goodly catching of a cold. Oh, God help me. God help me. How long have you professed apprehension? Even since you left it, doth not my wit become me rarely? It is not seen enough. You should wear it in your cap. By my troth, I am so sick. Get you some of this distilled Carduus Benedictus and lay it on your heart as the only thing for a qualm. There thou prickst her with a thistle. <laughs> Benedictus. Why Benedictus? You have some moral in this Benedictus. Moral? No, by my troth, I have no moral meaning. I meant plain holy thistle. You may think perchance that I think you are in love. Nay, by our lady, I am not such a fool to think what I list, nor I list not to think what I can. Nor indeed I cannot think, if I would think my heart out of thinking, that you are in love, or that you will be in love, or that you can be in love. Yet Benedict was such another, and now he has become a man. He has sworn he will never marry, and yet now, in despite of his heart, he eats his meat without grudging. And how you may be converted, I know not, but methinks you look in your eyes as other women do. What pace is this that thy tongue keeps? Not a false gallop. Re-enter Ursula. Madam, withdraw. The prince, the count, Signor Benedict, Don John, and all the gallants of the town are come to fetch you to church. Help me to dress good cause, good Meg, good Ursula. Exit. Scene five, another room in Leonardo's house. Enter Leonardo with Dogberry and Burgess. What would you with me, honest neighbor? Uh, Mary. Sir. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. Ma Mary, sir, I, I would have some confidence with you that discerns you nearly. Brief, I pray you, for you see, it is a busy time with me. <laughs> Mary, yes, it is. Yes, in, in truth, sir, it is, sir. What is it, my good friends? Uh, Goodman Verges, sir, speaks a little off the matter. <laughs> An old man, sir, but his wits are not so blunt, God help, I would desire they were, but in faith, honest as the skin between his brows. Uh, yes, I thank God I am an, uh, as honest as any man living. That is an old man and no honester than I. <laughs> uh, comparisons are odorous. Palabras, neighbor Virgis. Neighbors, you are tedious. Uh, it pleases your worship to say so. Oh, but we are poor dukes, officers. But truly, for mine own part, if I were as tedious as a king, I would, could find it in my heart to bestow it all on your worship. All thy tediousness on me, yeah? Oh, yay. Uh, and for a thousand more pounds more than tis. For I hear as good exclamation on your worship as any man in the city. And though I be but a poor man, I am glad to hear it. And so am I. I would fain know what you have to say. Mary, sir, our watch tonight, expecting your worship's presence, had taken a couple of as errant knaves as any in Messina. A good old man, sir. You will be talking, huh? as they say. When the age is in, the wit is out. Uh, God help us. It is a world to see. Well, said high faith, neighbor virtues. Well, God's a good man, and two men, and ride off a horse. One must ride behind, an honest soul in faith, sir. But my troth he is, as ever broke bread. But God is to be worshipped. All men are not alike. Alas, good neighbor. 
Indeed, neighbor, he comes too short of you. <laughs> Gifts that God gives. Hmm. I must leave you. Uh, what well, one word, sir? Our watch, sir, have indeed comprehended uh, two auspicious persons, and we would have them this morning be uh, examined before your worship. Take their examination yourself and bring it me. I am now in great haste, as it may appear unto you. Ah, it shall be suffigence. Drink some wine ere you go. Fare you well. Uh, My lord, they stay for you to give your daughter to her husband. I'll wait upon them. I am ready. Go, good partner, go get you to Francis Seacole. Bid him bring his pen and his inkhorn to the jail. We are now to examination these men. And we must do it wisely. We will spare for no wit, I warrant you. Here's that shall drive some of them to a non-come. Only get the learned writer to set down our excommunication and meet me at the jail. Excellent. At four, scene one, a church. Enter Don Pedro, Don John, Leonardo, Friar Francis, Claudio, Benedict, Hero, Beatrice, and attendants. Come, Friar Francis, be brief, only to the plain form of marriage, and you shall recount their particular duties afterwards. You come hither, my lord, to marry this lady? Oh. Uh... To be married to her, Friar, you come to marry her. Lady, you come hither to be married to this count. I do. If either of you know any inward impediment why you should not be conjoined, charge you on your souls to utter it. Who are you any? None, my lord. Know you any, count? I dare make his answer, none. Oh, what men dare do, what men may do, what men daily do, not knowing what they do. Oh no, interjections. <clears throat> Why then, some be of laughing as some, ha, 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 ha. by, Friar. Father, Friar, leave. Will you with free and unconstrained soul give me this maid, your daughter? As freely, son, as God did give her me. And what have I to give you back whose worth may counterpoise this rich and precious gift? Nothing, unless you render her again. Sweet prince, you learn me noble thankfulness. There, Leonardo, take her back again. Give not this rotten orange to your friend. She's but the sign and semblance of her honor. Behold, how behold. How like a maid she blushes here. Oh, what authority and show of truth can cunning sin cover itself with all? 
Comes not that blood as model evidence to witness simple virtue. Would you not swear, all you that see her, that she were a maid by these exterior shows? But she is none. She knows the heat of a luxurious bed. Her blush is guiltiness, not modesty. What do you mean, my lord? Not, not to be married. Not to knit my soul to an approved want. Dear my lord, if you, in your own proof, have vanquished the resistance of her youth and made defeat of her virginity... I know what you would say. If I have known her, you will say that she did embrace me as a husband and so extenuate the forehead, the forehand sin. No, Leonardo, I never tempted her with words too large, but as a, a brother to his sister, I showed bashful sincerity and comely love. And it seemed I ever otherwise to you? Oh, on thee, see me. I will write against it. You seem to me as Diane in her orb. As chaste as the bud ere it be blown. But you are more intemperate in your blood than Venus. Or those pampered creatures that rage in savage sensuality. Is my lord well that, that he doth speak so wide? Sweet prince, why speak not you? What should I speak? I stand dishonored that have gone about to link my dear friend to this common stale. Are these things spoken, or do I but dream? Sir, they are spoken. These things are true. This looks not like a nuptial. True, oh God. Leonardo, stand I here. Is this the prince? Is this the prince's brother? Is this face heroes? Are our eyes our own? All this is so, but what of this, my lord? Let me but move one question to your daughter. And by that fatherly and kindly power that you have in her, bid her answer Truly? I charge thee do so, so as thou art my child. Oh God, defend me. How I am beset. What kind of catechizing call you this? To, to make you answer truly to your name. Is it not Hero? Who can blot that name with any just reproach? Mary, that can Hero. Hero itself can blot out the hero's virtue. What man was he talked with you yesternight out at your window betwixt twelve and one? Now, if you are a maid, answer to this. I talked with no man at that hour, my lord. Why, then you are no maiden. Leonardo, I am sorry, but you must hear. Upon mine honor, myself, my brother, and this grieved count did see her, hear her, at that hour last night, talk with a ruffian at her chamber window, who hath indeed 
most like a liberal villain confess the vile encounters they have had a thousand times in secret. Fie, fie, they are not to be named, my lord, not to be spoken of. There is not chastity enough in language without offense to utter them. Thus, pretty lady, I am sorry for thy much misgovernment. Oh, hero. What a hero hadst thou been, if half thy outward graces had been placed about thy thoughts and counsels of thy heart, but fare thee well, most foul, most fair. For thee I'll lock up all the gates of love, and on my eyelids shall conjecture hang to turn all beauty into thoughts of harm. Never shall it more be gracious. Hath no man's dagger. You're a point for me. Hero swoons. Why, how now, cousin? Wherefore sink you down? Um, let us go. These things thus come to light. Smother her spirits up. Exent Don Pedro, Don John, and Claudio. Out the lady. Dead, I think. Help, uncle, hero, why, hero, uncle, senior Benedict. Oh, fate, take not away thy heavy hand. Death is the fairest cover for her shame that may be wished for. Oh, no, cousin hero. Comfort, lady. Dost thou look up? Yea, wherefore should she not? Wherefore? Why, doth not every earthly thing cry shame upon her? Could she here deny the story that is printed in her blood? Do not live, hero. Do not ope thine eyes, for did I think thou wouldst not quickly die? Thought I thy spirits were stronger than thy shames. Myself would on the rearward of, of reproaches strike at thy life. Grieved I, I had but one. Chid I for that at frugal's nature's frame? Oh, one too much by thee? Why had I one? Why ever wast thou lovely in my eyes? Why had I not with charitable hand took up a beggar's issue at my gates? who smirched thus and mired with infamy. I might have said no part of it is mine. This shame derives itself from unknown loins. But mine and mine I loved, and mine I praised, and mine that I was proud on, mine so much that I myself was to myself not mine. Valuing of her, why she, oh, she has fallen into a pit of ink that the wide sea hath drops too few to wash her clean again and salt too little which may season give to her foul-tainted flesh. Sir, sir, be patient. For my part, I am so attired in wonder, I know not what to say. On my soul, my cousin is belied. Lady, were you her bedfellow last night? No, truly not. Although, until last night, I have this twelve-month been her bedfellow. Confirmed. Confirmed. Oh, that is stronger maid which was before barred up with ribs of iron. Would the two princes lie, and Claudio lie, who loved her so, that speaking of her foulness washed it with tears? Hence from her, let her die. Hear me a little, for I have only been silent so long, and given way unto this course of fortune. By noting of the lady, I have marked a thousand blushing apparitions to start into her face. A thousand innocent shames in angel whiteness beat away those blushes. And in her eye, there hath appeared a fire to burn the 
errors that these princes hold against her maiden truth. Call me a fool. Trust not my reading nor my observations, which with experimental seal doth warrant the tenure, tenor of my book. Trust not my age, my reverence, calling, nor divinity. If this sweet lady lie not guiltless here under some biting error. Friar, it cannot be. Thou seest that all the grace that she had, hath left is that she will not add to her damnation a sin of perjury. She not denies it. Why seekest thou then to cover with excuse that which appears in proper nakedness? Lady, what man is he you are accused of? They know to accuse me. I know none. If I know more of any man alive than that which maiden modesty doth warrant, let all my sins lack mercy. O oh, my father, prove you that any man with me conversed at hours unmeet, or that I yesternight maintained the charge of words with any creature. Refuse me, hate me, torture me to death. There is some strange misprision in the princes. Two of them have the very bent of honor. And if their wisdoms be misled in this, the practice of it lives in John the Bastard, whose spirits toil in frame of villainies. I know not. If they speak the truth of her, these, these hands shall tear her. If they wrong her honor, the proudest of them shall wear well hear of it. Time hath not yet so dried this blood of mine, nor age so eat up on my invention, my invention. Nor fortune made such havoc of my means, nor my bad life reft me so, so much of friends. But they shall find awaked in such a kind, both strength of limb and policy of mind, ability and means and choice of friends to quit me of them thoroughly. Pause a while and let my counsel sway you in this case. Your daughter here, the prince is left for dead. Let her a while be secretly kept in and publish it that she is dead indeed. Maintain a mourning ostentation and on your family's old monument hang mournful epitaphs and do all rites that appertain unto a burial. What shall become of this? What will this do? Mary, this well carried shall on her behalf change slander to remorse. That is some good. But not for that dream I on this strange course, but on this travail look for greater birth. She dying, as it must be so maintained, upon the instant that she was accused shall be lamented, pitied, and excused of every hearer. For it so falls out that what we have we prize not to the worth whilst we enjoy it. But being lacked and lost, why then we rack the value? Then we find the virtue that possession would not show us whilst it was ours. So will it fare with Claudio. When he shall hear she died upon his words, the idea of her life shall sweetly creep into his study of imagination, and every lovely organ of her life shall come apparelled in more precious habit, more moving, delicate, and full of life into the eye and prospect of his soul than when she lived indeed. Then shall he mourn, if ever love had interest in his liver, and wish he had not so accused her. No, though he thought his accusation true. Let this be so, and doubt not, but success will fashion the event in better shape than I can lay it down in likelihood. 
but if all aim but this be leveled false the supposition of the lady's death will quench the wonder of her infamy and if it sort not well you may conceal her as best befits her wounded reputation in some reclusive and and religious life out of all eyes tongues minds and injuries Signor leonardo let the friar advise you and though you know my inwardness and love is very much unto the prince and claudio yet by mine honor i will deal in this as secretly and justly as your soul should with your body mean that i flow in grief the smallest twine may lead me tis well consented presently away for to strange sores strangely they strain the cure come lady die to live this wedding day perhaps is but prolonged have patience and endure exempt all but benedict and beatrice lady beatrice have you wept all this while yea and i will weep a while longer i will not desire that you have no reason i do it freely surely i do believe your fair cousin is wronged how much might the man deserve of me that would write her is there any way to show such friendship a very even way but no such friend may a man do it it is a man's office but not yours I do love nothing in the world so well as you. Is not that strange? As strange as the thing I know not. It, it were as possible for me to say I loved nothing so well as you. But believe me not, and yet I lie not. I confess nothing, nor I deny nothing. I am sorry for my cousin. By my sword, Beatrice, thou lovest me. Do not swear and eat it. I will swear by it that you love me, and I will make him eat it that says I love not you. Will you not eat your word? With no sauce that can be devised to it. I protest I love thee. Why then, God forgive me. What offense, sweet Beatrice. You have stayed me in a happy hour. I was about to protest I loved you. And do it with all thy heart. I love you with so much of my heart that none is left to protest. Come, bid me do anything for thee. Kill Claudio. Not for the wide world. You kill me to deny it. Farewell. Terry, sweet Beatrice. I am gone. Though I am here, there is no love in you, nay. I pray you, let me go. Beatrice. Faith, I will go. We'll be friends first. You dare easier be friends with me than fight with mine enemy? Is Claudio thine enemy? Is he not approved in the height of villain that hath slandered, scorned, dishonored my kinswoman? 
Oh, that I were a man. What? Bear her in hand until they come to take hands, and then with public accusation, uncovered slander, unmitigated rancor. Oh, God, that I were a man, I would eat his heart in the marketplace. Hear me, Beatrice. Talk with a man at a window, a proper saying. Nay, but Beatrice. Weak hero, she is wronged, she is slandered, she is undone. Beatrice. Princes and counties, surely a princely testimony, a goodly count. Good comfort, a sweet gallant, surely. Oh, that I were a man for his sake, or that I had any friend would be a man for my sake. That man held, manhood is melted into courtesies, valor into compliment, and men are only turned into tongue and trim ones too. He is now as valiant as Hercules that only tells a lie and swears it. I cannot be a man with wishing, therefore I will die a woman with grieving. Very good, Beatrice. By this hand, I love thee. Use it for my love some other way than by swearing by it. Think you in your soul the Count Claudio hath wronged Hero? Yea, as sure as I have a thought or a soul. Enough. I am engaged. I will challenge him. I will kiss your hand, and so I leave you. By this hand, Claudio shall render me a dear account. As you hear of me, so think of me. Go comfort your cousin. I must say she's dead. So, farewell. Exempt. Scene two of prison. Enter Dogberry, Virgis, and Sexton in gowns and the watch with Conrad and Baraccio. Is our whole assembly appeared? Oh, uh, a stool and, and a cushion for the Sexton. <laughs> Which uh, be the malefactors? Uh, Mary, that am I and my partner. Nay, that's certain. We have the exhibition to examine. But which are the offenders that are to be examined? Let them come before Master Constable. Uh, yay. <laughs> Mary, let them come before. What is your name, friend? Baraccio. Pray, write down Baraccio. Yours, uh, Sarah. Uh, I am a gentleman, sir, and my name is Conrad. Write down Master Gentleman, Conrad. Masters! Do you serve God? Uh, yeah, sir. We, we hope. hope. Yeah. Write down that they hope they serve God. And write God first, for God defend, but God should go before such villains. Masters, it is proved already that you are little better than false knaves, and it will go near to be thought so shortly. I'll answer you for yourselves. Mary, sir, we, we say we are none. <laughs> a marvelous witty fellow, I assure you. But I will go about with him. Come you hither, Sirrah, a word in your ear. Sir, I say to you, it is thought you are false knaves. Uh, sir, I say to you, we are none. Oh, well, stand aside. <laughs> For God, they are both in a tale. Have you written down that they are none? Master Constable, you go not the way to examine you must call forth the watch that are their accusers. Ah, yay, yay, Mary. That's the after's way. Let the watch come forth. Masters, I charge you, in the prince's name, accuse this. This man, 
sir, said that Don John, the prince's brother, was a villain. Write down Prince John a villain. Why, that is a flat perjury to call a prince's brother villain. Master Constable. Pray thee, fellow peace. I do not like thy look, I promise thee. What heard you him say else? Mary, that he hath received a thousand ducats of Don John for accusing the Lady Eero wrongfully. Flat burglary as ever was committed. Yea, by mass it is. What else, fellow? Oh, and that Count Claudio did mean, upon his words, to disgrace Hero before the whole assembly and not marry her. Oh, villain. Thou wilt be condemned into everlasting redemption for this. What else? This is all. And this is more, masters, than you can deny. Prince John is this morning secretly stolen away. Hero was in this manner accused, in this very manner refused, and upon the grief of this suddenly died. Master Constable, let these men be bound and brought to Leonatus. I will go before and show them their examination. Come, let them be opinioned. Let them be in the hands of... Off, coxcomb. God's my life, where's the sexton? Let him write down that the prince's officer, coxcomb. Come, bind them. Thou naughty varlet. No way, you are an ass. You are an ass. Dost thou not suspect my place? Dost thou not suspect my years? Oh, that he were here to write me down an ass. But masters, remember that I am an ass. Though it be not written down, yet forget not that I am an ass. No, thou villain, thou art full of piety. As shall be proved upon thee by good witnesses, I am a wise fellow. And, which is more, an officer. And, which is more, a householder. And which is more, as pretty a piece of flesh as any in Messina, and one that knows the law, go to, and a rich fellow enough, go to, and a fellow that hath had losses, and one that hath two gowns, and everything handsome about him, bring him away. Oh, that he had been written down as an ass. Exit. Act 5, scene 1, before Leonardo's house. Enter Leonardo and Antonio. If you go on thus, you will kill yourself. And tis not wisdom thus to second grief against yourself. I pray thee, cease thy counsel, which falls into mine ears as profitless as water in a sieve. Give not me counsel, nor let me let no comforter delight mine ear, but such a one whose wrongs do suit with mine. Bring me a father that so loved his child whose joy of her is overwhelmed like mine, and bid him speak of patience. Measure his woe the length and breadth of mine, and let it answer every strain for strain. As thus for thus in such a grief as for such, in every lineament, branch, shape, and form, if such a one will smile and stroke his beard, bid sorrow wag, cry hem when he should groan, patch grief with proverbs, make misfortune drunk with candle wasters. Bring him yet to me, and I of him will gather patience. But there is no such man. For, brother, men can counsel and speak comfort to that grief, which thy themselves not feel, but tasting it their counsel turns to passion. 
which before would give preceptual medicine to rage, fetter strong madness in a silken thread, charm ache with air and agony with words. No, no, tis all men's office to speak patience to those that ring under the load of sorrow. But no man's virtue nor sufficiency to be so moral when he shall endure the like himself. Therefore, give me no counsel. My griefs cry louder than advertisement. Therein do men from children nothing differ. I pray thee, peace. I will be flesh and blood. For there was never yet philosopher that could endure the toothache patiently. However, they have writ the style of gods and made a push at chance and sufferance. Yet bend not all the harm upon yourself. Make those that do offend you suffer too. There thou speak'st reason. Nay, I will do so. My soul doth tell me hero is belied. That shall Claudio know. So shall the prince and all of them that thus dishonor her. Here comes the prince and Claudio hastily. Enter Don Pedro and Claudio. Good den. Good den. Good day to both of you. Hear you, my lords. We have some haste. Leonardo? Some haste, my lord. Well, fare you well, my lord. Are you so hasty now? Well, all is one. Nay, do not quarrel with us, good old man. If he could right himself with quarreling, some of us would lie low. Who wrongs him? Mary, thou dost wrong me, thou dissembler. Thou, nay, never lay thy hand upon thy sword. I fear thee not. Mary, beshrew my hand if it should give your age such cause of fear. In faith, my hand meant nothing to my sword. Tush, tush, man, never fleer and jest at me. I speak not like a dotard nor a fool. Was under privilege of age to brag what I have done being young, or what would do were I not old? No, Claudio, to thy head thou hast so wronged mine innocent child and me that I am forced to lay my reverence by and with gray hairs and bruise of many days, do challenge thee to trial of a man. I say thou hast belied my innocent child. Thy slander hath gone through and through her heart, and she lies buried with her ancestors. Oh, in a tomb where never scandal slept, save this of hers framed by thy villainy. My villainy? Thine, Claudio. Thine, I say. You say not right, old man. My lord. My lord, I'll prove it on his body if he dare, despite his nice fence and his active practice, his may of youth and bloom of lustyhood. Away, I will not have to do with you. Canst thou so daft me? Thou hast killed my child. If thou killst me, boy, thou shalt kill a man. He shall kill two of us, and men indeed. But that's no matter. Let him kill one first. Win me and wear me. Let him answer me. Come. Follow me, boy. Come, sir boy, come. Follow me, sir boy. I'll whip you from your foining fence. Nay, as I am a gentleman, I will. Brother. Content yourself. God knows I loved my niece, and she is dead, slandered to death by villains that dare as well answer a man indeed as I dare take a serpent by the tongue. Boys, apes, braggarts, jacks, milksops. Brother Anthony, 
Hold you content. What man? I know them. Yay. And what they weigh, even to the utmost scruple, scrambling, outfacing, fashion-mongering boys that lie and cog and flouse to prave and slander, go antically show outward hideousness and speak off half a dozen dangerous words how they might hurt their enemies if they durst. And this is all. But, brother, and Come. It is no matter. Do you, do not you meddle. Let me deal in this. Gentlemen, both, we will not wake your patience. My heart is sorry for your daughter's death, but on my honor, she was charged with nothing but what was true and very full of proof. My lord, my lord. I, I will not hear you. No? Come, brother, away. I will be heard. And shall, or some of us will smart for it. Exunt Leonardo and Antonio. See, see, here comes the man who went to seek. Enter Benedict. Now, Signor, what news? Good day, my lord. Welcome, Signor. You are almost come to part. Uh, you were almost come to part, almost afraid. We had liked to have had our noses snapped off with two old men without teeth. <laughs> Leonardo and his brother. What thinkest thou? Had we fought, I doubt we should have been too young for them. In a false quarrel, there is no true valor. I came to seek you both. We have been up and down to seek thee, for we are high-proof melancholy and uh, would have fain have it beaten away. Uh, wilt thou use thy wit? It is in my scabbard. Shall I draw it? Dost thou wear thy wit by thy side? Never any did so, though very many have been beside their wit. Uh, I will bid thee draw as we do the minstrels. Draw to pleasure us. As I am an honest man, he looks pale. Art thou sick or angry? What? Courage, man. What, what though care killed a cat, thou hast meddle enough to, in thee to kill care. Sure, I shall meet you your wit in the career, and you charge it against me. I pray you choose another subject. Nay, then, give him another staff. This last was broke cross. By this light, he changes more and more. I think he'd be angry indeed. If he be, he knows how to turn his girdle. Shall I speak a word in your ear? God bless me from a challenge. You are a villain. I jest not. I will make it good how you dare, with what you dare, and when you dare. Do me right, or I will protest your cowardice. You have killed a sweet lady, and her death shall fall heavy on you. Let me hear from you. Well, I will meet you, so I may have good cheer. What, a, a feast? A feast? Your faith, I thank him. He hath bid me to a calf's head and a capon, the which, if I do not carve most curiously, say my knife's not. Shall I not find a woodcock, too? Sir, your wit ambles well. It goes easily. I'll tell thee how Beatrice praised thy wit the other day. I said, thou hadst to find wit. True, she said, a fine little one. No, said I, a great wit. 
Right, she says, a great gross one. Nay, say I, a good wit. Just, said she, it hurts nobody. Nay, said I, the gentleman is wise. Certain, said she, a wise gentleman. Nay, said I, he hath the tongues. That I believe, she said, for he swore a thing to me on Monday night, which he forswore on Tuesday morning. There's a double tongue, there's two tongues. Thus did she an hour together, transshape thy particular virtues. Yet at last she concluded with a sigh, thou wast the properest man in Italy. For the which she wept heartily and said she cared not. Yea, that she did. But yet, for all that, and if she did not hate him deadly, she would love him dearly. The old man's daughter told us all. All. All, and moreover, God saw him when he was hid in the garden. But when shall we set the savage bull's horns on the sensible Benedict's head? Yea, and text underneath, here dwells Benedict, the married man. Fare you well, boy. You know my mind. I will leave you now to your gossip-like humor. You break jests as braggarts do their blades, which, God be thanked, hurt not. My lord, for your many courtesies, I thank you. I must discontinue your company. Your brother, the bastard, is fled from Messina. You have among you killed a sweet and innocent lady. For my lord Lackbeard there, he and I shall meet. Until then... Peace be with it. Exit. He's in earnest. In most profound earnest. And I'll warrant you for the love of Beatrice. And hath challenged thee. Most sincerely. What a pretty thing man is when he goes in his doublet and hose and leaves off his wit. He is then a giant to an ape. But then is an ape, a doctor, to such a man. I soft you. Let me be. Pluck up my heart and be sad. Did he not say my brother was fled? Enter Dogberry, Burgess, and the Watch with Conrad and Baraccio. Come, you, sir. If justice cannot tame you, she shall ne'er weigh more reasons in her balance. Nay, and you be a cursing hypocrite once, you must be looked to. How now? Two of my brother's men bound? Baraccio, one. Hearken after their offense, my lord. Officers, what offense have these men done? Uh, Mary, sir, they have committed false report. Moreover, they have spoken untruths. Secondarily, they are slanderers. Sixth and lastly, they have belied a lady. Thirdly, they have verified unjust things. And to conclude, they are lying knaves. First, I ask thee what they have done. <laughs> Thirdly, I ask thee what's their offense. Uh, sixth, and lastly, uh, why are they are committed? And to conclude, uh, what lay you as their charge? Rightly reasoned, and in his own division. And by my troth, there's one meaning well suited. Who have you offended, masters? that you are thus bound to your answer. Uh, this learned constable is too cunning to be understood. What's your offense? 
sweet prince, let me go no farther to mine answer. Do you hear me and let this count kill me? I have deceived even your very eyes. What your wisdoms could not discover, these shallow fools have brought to light. Who in the night overheard me confessing to this man how Don John, your brother, incensed me to slander the lady hero, how you were brought into the orchard and saw me court Margaret in hero's garments, how you disgraced her when you should marry her, my villainy they have upon record, which I had rather seal with my death than repeat over to my shame. The lady is dead upon mine and my master's false accusation, and briefly, I desire nothing but the reward of a villain. Runs not this speech like iron through your blood. Drunk poison was he uttered it. But did my brother set thee on to this? Yea, and paid me richly for the practice of it. He is composed and framed of treachery, and fled he is upon this villainy. Sweet hero! Now thy image doth appear in the rare semblance that I loved at first. Come, bring away the plaintiffs. By this time our sexton hath reformed Senior Leonardo of the matter, and masters, uh, do not forget to specify when time and place shall serve that I am an ass. Here, here comes Master Senor Leonardo and the sexton to re-enter Leonardo and Antonio with the sexton. Which is the villain? Let me see his eyes that when I note another man like him, I may avoid him. Which of these is he? If you would know your wronger, look on me. Art thou the slave that with thy breath has killed mine innocent child? Yea, even I alone. No, not so, villain. Thou beliest thyself. Here stand a a pair of honorable men. A third is fled that had a hand in it. I thank you, princes, for my daughter's death. Record it with your high and worthy deeds. Was bravely done, if you bethink you of it. And I know not how to pray your patience, yet I must speak. Choose your revenge yourself. Impose on me what penance, what penance your invention can lay upon my sin. Yet it sinned I not. In mistaking my soul, nor I, and yet to satisfy this good old man, I would bend under under any heavy weight that he'll enjoin me to. I cannot bid you bid my daughter live that were impossible, but I pray you both possess the people in Messina here how innocent she died. And if your love can labor aught in sad invention, hang her an epitaph upon her tomb and sing it to her bones. Sing it tonight 
Tomorrow morning, come you to my house. And since you could not be my son-in-law, be yet my nephew. My brother have a daughter, almost the copy of my child that's dead. And she alone is heir to both of us. Give her the right you shall have given her cousin. And so dies my revenge. Noble sir, your over kindness doth wring tears from me. I do embrace your offer and dispose henceforth of poor Claudio. Tomorrow then I will expect your coming. Tonight I take my leave. This naughty man shall face to face be brought to Margaret, who I believe was packed in all this wrong. Hired to it by your brother. No, no, by my soul, she was not, nor knew not what she did when she spoke to me, but always hath been just and virtuous in anything that I do know by her. Uh, 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 moreover, sir, which is not indeed in is not under white and black. This plaintiff here, the offender, did call me. An ass. I beseech you, let it be remembered in his punishment. And also, the watch heard them talk of one uh, deformed. They say he wears a, a key in his ear and a lock hanging by it and borrows money in God's name, the which he hath used so long and never paid, that now men grow hard-hearted and will lend nothing for God's sake. Pray you, examine him on that point. I thank thee for thy care and honest pains. <laughs> Your worship speaks like a most kind, thankful, and reverend youth. I praise God for you. There's for thy pains. God save the foundation. Oh, I discharge thee of thy prisoner, and I thank thee. <laughs> I leave an errant knave with your worship, which I beseech your worship to correct yourself for the example of others. God keep your worship. I wish your worship well. Uh, God restore you to health. I humbly give you my leave to depart. And if a merry meeting may be wished, God prohibit it. Come, neighbor. Exent Dogberry and Burgess. Until tomorrow morning, lords, farewell. Farewell, my lords. We look for you tomorrow. We will not fail. Night. I'll mourn hero. Bring you these fellows on. We'll talk with Margaret, how her acquaintance grew with this lewd fellow. Exempt severally. Scene two, Leonardo's garden. Enter Benedict and Margaret meeting. Prithee, sweet mistress Margaret, deserve well at my hands by helping me to the speech of Beatrice. Will you then write me a sonnet in praise of my beauty? In so high a style, Margaret, that no man living shall come over it. For in most comely truth, thou deservest it. To have no man come over me? Why shall I always be, always keep below stairs? Thy wit is as quick as a greyhound's mouth. It catches. And yours is as blunt as the fencer's foil, which hit but hurt not. A most manly wit, Margaret, it will not hurt a woman. 
And so I pray they call Beatrice. I give thee the bucklers. Give us the swords. We have bucklers of our own. If you use them, Margaret, you must put in the pikes with a vice. And they are dangerous weapons for maids. Well, I will call Beatrice to you, who I think hath legs. And therefore will come. Exit Margaret. Benedict sings. Party and party and yeah. God of love that sits above and knows me, he and knows me, how pitiful I deserve. I mean, in singing, but in loving. Leander the good swimmer, Troilus, the first employer of panders, and a whole book full of these quondam carpet mongers whose names yet run smoothly in the even road of blank verse, why they were never so truly turned over and over as my poor self in love. There, I cannot show it in rhyme. I've tried. I can find out no rhyme to lady, but... Baby, an innocent rhyme. For scorn, horn, a hard rhyme. For school, fool, a babbling rhyme. Very ominous endings. No, I was not born under a rhyming planet, nor I cannot woo in festival terms. Enter Beatrice. Sweet Beatrice. Wouldst thou come when I called thee? Yea, senor, and depart when you bid me. Oh, stay but till then. Then is spoken very well now, and yet, ere I go, let me go with that I came, which is with knowing what hath passed between you and Claudio. Only foul words, and thereupon I will kiss thee. Foul words is but foul wind, and foul wood, wind is but foul breath, and foul breath is noisome. Therefore, I will depart unkissed. Thou hast frighted the word out of his right sense, so forcible is thy wit. But I must tell thee plainly, Claudio undergoes my challenge, and either I must shortly hear from him, or I will subscribe him a coward. And now, I pray, tell me... For which of my bad parts did thou first fall in love with me? Put them all together, which maintains so politic a state of evil that they will not admit any good part to intermingle with them. But for which of my good parts did you first suffer love for me? Suffer love? A good epithet. I do suffer love indeed, for I love thee against my will of your heart, I think. Alas, poor heart, if you spite it for my sake, I will spite it for yours, for I will never love that which my friend hates. Thou and I are too wise to woo peaceably. It appears not in this confession. There's not one wise man among twenty that will praise himself. An old, an old instance, Beatrice, that lived in the time of good neighbors. If a man do not erect in his age his own tomb ere he dies, he shall live no longer in monument than the bell rings and the widow weeps. And how long is that, thank you? A 
question. Why an hour in clamor and a quarter in room? Therefore, it is most expedient for the wise, if Don Worm, his conscience, find no impediment, to the contrary, to be the trumpet of his own virtues, as I am to myself. So much for praising myself, who I myself will bear witness is praiseworthy. And now tell me, how doth your cousin? Very ill. How do you? Very ill, too. Serve God, love me, and mend. There will I leave you too, for here comes one in haste. Under Ursula. Madam, you must come to your uncle. Yonder's old coil at home. It is proved my lady hero hath been falsely accused. The prince and Claudio mightily abused, and Don John is the author of all, who is fed and gone. Will you come presently? Will you go hear this new senor? I will live in thy heart, die in thy lap, and be buried in thy eyes. And moreover, I will go with thee to thy uncles. Makes sense. Scene three at church, enter Don Pedro Claudio in three or four with tapers. Is this the monument of Leonato? It is, my lord. Done to death by slanderous tongues was the hero that here lies. Death in guerdon of her wrongs gives her fame, which never dies. So the life that died with shame lives in death with glorious fame. Hang thou there upon the tomb, praising her when I am dumb. Now music, sound, and Sing our solemn hymn. Pardon, goddess of the night, those that slew thy virgin night, for the witch with songs of woe round about her tomb. Midnight, assist our moan, help us to sigh and groan, heavily, heavily, graves yawn, yield your dead, till death uttered heavily now unto thy bones good night daily 
Will I do this right? Good morrow, masters. Put your torches out. The wolves have prayed. And look, a gentle day before the wheel of Phoebus round about dapples the dreary east with spots of gray. Thanks to you all. Leave us. Fare you well. Good morrow, masters. Each is several way. Come, let us hence. And put on other weeds. And then to Leonardo's we will go. And Hymen now with luckier issue speed us than this for whom we rendered up this woe. Exempt. Scene four, a room in Leonardo's house. Enter Leonardo, Antonio, Benedict, Beatrice, Margaret, Ursula, Friar Francis, and Hero. Did I not tell you she was innocent? So are the prince and Claudio, who accused her upon the error that you heard debated. But Margaret was in some fault for this, although against her will, as it appears in the true course of all the question. Well, I'm glad that all things sort so well. So am I, being else by faith and forced to call young Claudio to a reckoning for it. Well, daughter, and you gentlewomen all, withdraw into a chamber by yourselves, and when I send for you, come hither masked. The prince and Claudio promised by this hour to visit me. You know your office, brother. You must be father to your brother's daughter and give her to young Claudio. Which I will do with confirmed countenance. Friar, uh, I must entreat your pains, I think. To do what, senor? To bind me or undo me, one of them. Senor... Truth it is, good senor, your niece regards me with an eye of favor. That I, my daughter, lent her, tis most true. And I do with an eye of love requite her. The sight whereof I think you had from me, from Claudio and the prince. But what's your will? Your answer, sir, is enigmatical. But for my will... My will is your good will may stand with ours this day to be conjoined in the state of honorable marriage in which, good friar, I shall desire your help. My heart is with your liking. And my help. Here comes the prince and Claudio. Enter Don Pedro and Claudio and two or three others. Good morrow to this fair assembly. Good morrow, Prince. Good morrow, Claudio. We here attend you. Are you yet determined today to marry with my brother's daughter? I'll hold my mind, whom there she be. Call her forth, brother. Here's the friar ready. Enter Antonio. Good morrow, Benedict. Why, what's the matter? That you have such a February face, so full of frost, of storm, and cloudiness. I think he thinks upon the savage bull. Tush, fear not, man. We'll tip thy horns with gold, and all Europa shall rejoice at thee, as once Europa did at lusty Jove, when he would play the noble beast in love. 
Bull Jove, sir, had an amiable low, and some such strange bull leapt your father's cow, and got a calf in that same noble feet, much like to you, for you have just his bleat. For this I owe you. Here comes other reckonings. Enter Antonio with the ladies masked. It's just the lady I must seize upon. This same as she? I can give you her. Why? But she's mine. Sweet. Let me see your face. No, uh, that you shall not, till you take her hand before this friar and swear to marry her. Give me your hand before this holy friar. I am your husband. If you like of me. And when I lived, I was your other wife. And when you loved, you were my other husband. Another hero. Nothing certainer. One hero died, defiled. But I do live. And surely as I live, I am a maid. The former hero? The hero that is dead? He died, my lord. But whilst her slander lived. All this amazement can I qualify when... After that, the holy rites are ended. I'll tell you largely of fair heroes' death. Meantime, let wonder seem familiar, and to the chapel let us presently. Soft and fair, friar. Which is Beatrice? I answer to that name. What is your will? Do not you love me? I know. No more than reason. Why, then your uncle and the prince and Claudio have been deceived. They swore you did. Do not you love me? Troth, no. No more than reason. Why, then my cousin Margaret and my cousin Margaret and Ursula are much deceived, for they did swear you did. They swore you were almost sick for me. They swore that you were well nigh dead for me. Well, tis no such matter. Then... Do not love me? No, truly, but in friendly recompense. Come, cousin, I'm sure you love the gentleman. I'll be sworn upon it that he loves her. For here's a paper written in his hand, a halting sonnet of his own pure brain fashioned to Beatrice. And here's another written in my cousin's hand, Stolen from her pocket, containing her affection unto Benedict. <laughs> Miracle. Here's our own hands against our hearts. <laughs> Come, <clears throat> I will have thee, but by this light, I take thee for pity. I would not deny you, but 
By this good day, I yield upon great persuasion, and partly to save your life, for I was told you were in a consumption. Peace. I will stop your mouth. He kisses her. How dost thou, Benedict, the married man? I'll tell thee what, prince. A college of witcrackers cannot flout me out of my humor. Dost thou think I care for a satire or an epigram? No. If a man will be beaten with brains, he shall wear nothing handsome about him. In brief, since I do purpose to marry, I will think nothing to any purpose that the world can say against it. And therefore, never flouted me for what I have said against it. For man is a giddy thing. And this is my conclusion. For thy part, Claudio, I did think to have beaten thee, but in that thou art like to be my kinsman, live unbruised, and love my cousin. I had well hoped thou wouldst have denied Beatrice that I might have cudgeled thee out of thy single life to make thee a double dealer which out of question thou wilt be if my cousin do not look exceedingly narrow to thee. Come, come, we are friends. Let's have a dance ere we're married, that we may lighten our own hearts and our wives' heels. We'll have dancing afterward. First of my word, therefore play, music. Prince, thou art sad. Get thee a wife. Get thee a wife. There is no staff more reverend than one tipped with horn. Enter a messenger. My lord, your your brother John is ta'en in flight and brought with armed men back to Messina. Think not on him till tomorrow. I'll devise thee brave punishments for him. Strike up, Pipers! Everybody party and 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 